Hello and welcome to another episode of Video Game Logic. Today's show was recorded on April 12th, 2017. I'm your host, gaming psychologist, and with me, as always, the newest member of the family. Caffeine Rage. Uh, I'm not sure if I'm being adopted or what's going on here. I'm scared. I need an adult. You got inducted tonight. On today's show, we will, of course, be discussing the games that we played. Gearbox and G2A get together and then break up. Popular gaming payment processor, Xola, has started adding a default 18% tip, allegedly. Germany wants to license 24-hour Twitch streamers. Microsoft has started offering refunds on the Xbox and Windows 10 store. AMD says that Fallout VR will be the Mario and Sonic the Hedgehog of virtual reality. We'll have our weekly community corner, which includes Kyle's Fonzie. Hey! Hey! And our <laughs> weekly discovery queue. And timestamps will be in the show notes following their respective topics. How are you today, Rage? Uh, doing all right. Uh, how are you? That's the thing. I'm good today. I am swell. Uh, astute listeners will notice that the date that I said is for Wednesday instead of Tuesday. I had uh, something that came up Tuesday night that prevented us from recording. So here we are on a Wednesday. But I am fine. Everything is fine. I'm actually quite happy, as I told told you. I've got my, my big boy desk chair. Or my, my fat boy desk chair. And it is so nice. It's so comfy. The cushions on this thing are so huge. Because, you know, they're for fat people. Uh, but this chair weighs like a million pounds. It's all steel instead of plastic. Like normal desk chairs. Except for the armrests. Those are plastic. But the actual, like, the the wheels and the assembly that has that. And the cylinder on it for adjusting the height and everything. Like, all of that is steel. There's no plastic there. So... The chair is sturdy, but it weighs probably 65 or 70 pounds. So, thankfully, it's it's a wheelie chair. But yeah, it's super comfortable. It is a bit taller than my old chair, so I'm kind of adjusting things. I had to make a makeshift monitor stand out of some books, because my monitor was now a good four inches too low. And I was sitting at my desk chair uh, earlier, like just staring down at my monitor, and I was like, yeah, this is going to work. This is killing my neck. Because my, my thought was, well, we're moving soon. I'm going to have to pack all this up, and I'll put something together for later. But no, I definitely need to buy a monitor stand. I would just mount my monitor directly to the wall, but the new office, is the those walls are brick. and I mean, I could, but I don't really want to. At least with that attitude. To, so it's, it's a little bit more work to, to drill holes and uh, mount stuff into a brick wall than it is into sheetrock or into a, a stud in the wall, so... Yeah, and we know Jared. He's not going to be doing that much effort. Yeah, we know I'm lazy. Plus, I mean, the new house is is fine. I mean, it needs some TLC, and it's got a little bit of things that need to be fixed up. And uh, I'm going to have to be doing that for a while, so I don't want to <laughs> put any effort into fixing my office. I just I had a thought, and I think I'm going to share this. You're just going to duct tape the monitor to the wall, aren't you? Um, maybe. <laughs> I might do that. Uh, You'll spring for the Gorilla Tape. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Then just Uh, during a podcast recording, uh, the monitor will get too warm, melt the adhesive, and it'll just fall. (laughs) Fall. You'll hear a massive thunk. And then, damn it. 
No, I might I might use books too. I don't know. I I mean I have the like I mean it's not like monitor stands are not very expensive. Wait, books aren't very expensive. <laughs> oh, there was um there's this thing that one of my friends used to have in college and it was like a a, a small bookshelf that you just hung to the wall. <laughs> But the way it was designed, it looked like your books were just, like, sitting on the wall, like, somehow magically just attached to the wall. I would do that. That would be cool. But, anyways, monitor stands are not very expensive, and I can just buy one, but we're about to move, and it's like, well, I mean, that's just one more thing that I'm going to have to pack up and take and unpack and packing. I haven't done very much of the packing. Katie and some friends did a bunch of packing today. I got home, and the house, like... It wasn't like a bomb had exploded, but there was stuff laying everywhere. It's like, couldn't use the table or the counters or anything because there was stuff laying on them to be packed. So, yay. But I'll be excited when it's all over because we'll have a nice, nice new house. And I'll have a nice office and I won't be sitting in my living room anymore. And the big boy desk chair is a nice touch, too. <laughs> Oh, so, games that we played? Yeah, I guess we could talk about some video games on a video game uh, podcast, huh? Yep, yep, yep. But I'm going to save the game that you really want to hear me talk about for a second. Because yeah, I'm evil yeah. like that. Let's talk about the game that I spent some time with and found uh, rather blah. Guardians of Ember. Okay. If you were to lock a fairly generic MMO and Diablo uh, in a room together and with a lot of uh, Viagra, because let's face it, the generic MMO is not that attractive, then <laughs> then I think you would end up with Guardians of Ember because it is it wants to be Diablo, but it's uh, it's a generic MMO with a Diablo camera and a few Diablo mechanics on it. It's yeah. set in your typical um, fantasy world. I'll be perfectly honest, I did not get past the opening area because it doesn't handle all that well. But anyway, it it has its typical uh, fantasy races. You have human, you have uh, elf, you have dwarf, and then you have nine-year-old. <laughs> Or, really? Or, or or whatever the fourth race that they're calling it. I'll, I'll be perfectly honest. I was looking at the character creation creation screen and I was clicking through the races. It's like that that looks like a fucking nine year old. Well, not literally a fucking nine year old because well, that's uh, would be banned in a lot of. Uh, I'm gonna of the I'm gonna States. have to report you to child protective <laughs> services now. I'm a mandatory reporter. Rage as a as a therapist. Just just so you're aware. Well, all right. Well, well, moving quickly along from Guardians of Ember, then <laughs> I, I, I need to talk about this because uh, it, I will. Uh, I will say before you go any further, like even before you started talking, when this opened up, I was like, "This is like a super generic version of Diablo." Yeah, I, I, like, I, I it looks to... like a lot of the menus and stuff are just copied wholesale from Diablo. This is not a Diablo. This wants to be Diablo. One day when it leaves early access. It aspires to try to be Diablo, but it's a shitty, shitty, shitty MMO. One thing that 
Okay, one thing that is huge about ARPG is movement. Being able to have a smooth movement, no, no matter if you do it via click uh, interface or uh, with the WADS keys like this does, uh, it comes down to how well you can move around things. This, it seems like everything, the hit, the hit detection and the hitboxes are for the geometry of the world. It's just ever so slightly off. So you're constantly running to these little corners, these little invisible walls, like around a, trying to move around a boulder. You'll hit an invisible wall trying to go around it. And the fact that this is late early access, no. No. Just no. And that doesn't even get to the fact that I think they never played an ARPG. Now, granted, I'll be the first one to admit, I'm not an expert in ARPGs. I played, I think, four or five of them at this point. But okay, they have leashing in this game, uh, uh, MMO-style leashing, where if you draw an, uh, an Bob too far away from its spawn point, it basically becomes invulnerable and then uh, runs back. Yeah, like, oh shit, I'm out of position, and runs back. I've had enemies that were on my screen. I shot at them. They started to run to me, got past their leashing point, went back to full health, and then ran back to their uh, spawn point. So you could fire on them. I could see them. Fire on them. Beyond their leashing point. That seems a little shitty to me. Yeah, that kind of defeats the purpose of a ranged character. That kind of defeats the purpose of having it be on damn ARPG, because a lot about ARPGs is movement. Yo, it's yeah. the A in ARPG. Action. Can, can you tell I didn't like this game? <laughs> um, mm, It's difficult. Or, or, I don't or know, how maybe. About, or how about this? How about this? Uh, the uh, character I ended up playing, I made a dwarven engineer because, you know, dwarves. Right. Uh, you start off with a gun, you know, because dwarves. Uh, pretty soon uh, in the game, I picked up a bow and uh, all my uh, abilities were talking about, you know, a gunplay, you know, uh, or shooting a, a bullet, that sort of thing. And I said, you know, I'll try the bow it's, as it's a lot better damage, a, a lot better for me. And maybe it'll lock out some of my abilities, but you know, uh, there's enough on uh, the uh, to try to swap out. And also, oh, and uh, you cannot unlock your last couple of action bars uh, uh, slot yet in the uh, early access version of this. You only have access to four of the six, which is also very shitty, I might add. But okay, my dwarf uh, picks up the bow. Hmm. Didn't uh, unlock uh, or didn't lock out any of my skills. That's weird. I shoot at something. It makes a gun noise. <laughs> oh, nice. I, 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 I mean, outside of the uh, the dwarf making the noise with his mouth, he's just going there, going bang, bang, bang as he's shooting arrows. This seems a little off. Now, granted, they do talk about having dual classes and uh, the fact that, yeah, 
it's practically impossible, or at least in the starting area, to be able to be a ranged class, because ranged classes typically are a lot squishier than melee classes, so happy to try to uh, <laughs> dance around the spawn points of everything to stay in uh, range and stay in the leashing distance of the spawn, so yeah, things don't instantly go full health. And it makes it so that you take a lot more damage than you otherwise would be. On top of you know, the, all the collision issues I had with this game to begin with. It's just... What the fuck was this developer thinking? Uh, I want to be Diablo hardcore. Well, well just... Uh, I, I'm I'm on the store page and I'm looking at just the string of not recommended. And I wholeheartedly agree. I mean, I don't... I, this isn't... You know, these aren't my... Types of yeah, yeah, I've realized that this is definitely this looks not your so game. like generic and and whatever. I'm just like, okay, well, that's cool. Maybe somebody will like it, but probably not me. If it was like a free to play game, I'd probably check it out because I mean, I do. Even though well, it is well, pretty generic, I, I, I like, think it's going to go free to play. Uh, maybe. Uh, hang on, I, I need I need to actually check on that because uh, no, it doesn't mention that. Uh, and uh, oh, and here's the thing: is that. Uh, they talk about uh, uh, having the community do a lot of stuff together, and there's nobody fucking playing this game. I saw two people in the opening area. Two. And one of them was just uh, there fishing, uh, and they had you know, godlike armor, or at least it looked like godlike armor, because you know, this is a fancy game, so as soon as you get to the upper tier stuff, you know, it, you, know you start having this you get massive pauldrons. Yeah, massive pauldrons, wings, uh, oars uh, uh, coming off of you like you're in uh, the first Star Trek movie. Nice. But yeah, wasn't a fan of this. <laughs> uh, and, and that's the thing. I went to this one with an open mind. And uh, just look at the screenshots. It doesn't look that bad. Generic, yes. But the thing is that, yeah, these are very static screenshots and they don't show the interface in any of them. The only th place you see the interface is in the trailers. So, you know, I was thinking, who knows, maybe this could be like uh, Victor Vron, where, uh, you know, at least the first half of that game, I really enjoyed it until I stopped getting uh, upgrades, so I started running into the brick wall of enemies. You know, enemies uh, getting a lot stronger, and I'm not getting any stronger. Yeah. Yeah. Like you said, super generic, but not bad. Like if it was yeah. free to play, I might, I might be tempted to check it out just because. Yeah, it's one of those that you could definitely tell the developers. Well, that the developers aren't great at design because there's some weird things. Well, let's use the character creator as a good example of this. Okay, uh, you pick your race, then you pick your gender, and if you want to swap uh, the gender, uh, yeah, let's say I think the default is male. Let's say you wanted to be a female uh, dwarf. Oh, sorry, you can't be. Uh, let's say you wanted to be a female elf, but then again, I repeat myself. Pause for laughter. Tee -hee. Uh, if you wanted to be a female character, you have to pick your race, then pick your gender, then go back to your race and uh, select the race that you actually wanted to play. That, that gives you an idea of, yeah, all the weird little things that just kind of is annoyances yeah that's that's bad design yeah, yeah that's for... that should be one uh, step 
there's no randomization on character names and there's no copy and paste or at least there or I couldn't get copy and paste to work uh, on the character names so if I didn't want to you know just uh, smash the keyboard or come up with you know uh, uh, alternate spelling of Grimly or one of the uh, dwarves out of the Hobbit you know and going to a, a random generator online it's you know I had to type it in manually once again, uh, just the little things. But then again, when they yeah. have the big things uh, so fucked up, the little things are kind of expected at this point. Indeed. Okay, well, let's let's uh, go talk about the game that I actually want to hear you talk about. <laughs> yes, the Sunday sampler for this week. Domina. Oh, Domina. Th- this is a very, very flawed game, but a game that I'm actually able to look past some of the flaws. Some of the flaws, not oh all my, of them. Holy crap, is it is it is the second coming of Christ <laughs> around the corner? Uh, hey, hey, don't get me wrong, I have a lot of uh, things to complain about this game. <laughs> uh, primarily the save system. Oh, wait, there is none. Uh, okay, moving right along. Uh-oh. Well, technically <laughs> though, that's that uh, you do have a problem with the save system. The problem is there is well, a Well, there is a rudimentary save system in place now that if the game crashes, it does a save. But, uh, I, you know, it's one of those things that you don't want to test out. <laughs> right. Uh, the game itself, uh, think of it, well, a lot of people are classifying it as a roguelike, which is entirely wrong, but uh, it, I see the principle of the thing. It's uh, sort of the FTL problem where there's not really a way to classify it, and FTL is also a really good analog for other reasons I'll get to in a little bit. Uh, where you have events pop up, you have uh, uh, different fights that you have to do that you can or cannot control, depending on uh, your uh, your research that you do, because it, you can treat it like a fighting game, but the thing is that there so many fights are multi-gladiator, you know, two or more on each side. That I just end up uh, having it as purely a management game with the AI controlling everything. Yeah. But the problem is that it's very, very basic on that uh, uh, section. Where, okay, you could train up the AI skill, which is just a terrible name for it, by the way. AI skill? Yeah, that's literally what they call it in the game. Okay. Uh, they You could train that up so that they're a smarter fighter, but it doesn't really tell you yo, how that helps it's more okay now is my guy fighting better because he has a certain skill or is it or is it just you know random chance uh, you know, uh, uh confirmation bias almost but it's one of those things that yeah you know, it doesn't really tell you all that much it tells you well it makes him a better fighter but when uh, you're not controlling them but nothing else there's not a lot of information about it it's all a lot of try this oh that didn't work out all that well. Well, we'll try the, uh, a different way on the next run. And each run takes hour and a half, two hours, depending on how many fights you pick, because you have a counter that uh, every week or every two weeks, depending on just how lucky or unlucky you are, uh, a uh, fight will happen that's uh, sponsored by one of the two major players in the city the Magistrate, or the Legate. And depending on how much each one of those guys like you, those fights could be either really easy and really generous on their rewards, 
or try to dick you over as hard as they can. If you uh, pick a fight with both of them and have them absolutely hate you, those fights will be brutally unfair and have just a pittance for rewards. Which there is a way to go into the pits, uh, to a pit fight, essentially underground uh, fights. But those give you a lot less information to try to figure out. So you're just blindly throwing gladiators in and hoping, well, I hope uh, this guy have uh, spent 500 gold coins on and the last uh, half hour's worth of uh, training doesn't die uh, horribly. So there's a a lot of systems that you have to try to juggle. I almost want to call it a clicker game because there's just so much that you have to keep track of. And if you're not watching, uh, you know, your employees uh, have a uh, tracker bar on them. You have to keep uh, track of that. And if they're not researching their things, then you're losing out there. Your researcher, uh, if you're not keeping up on that, uh, you're losing out there. Uh, if you don't have someone that automatically heals, you have to go through uh, for each gladiator and uh, pay to have them healed. And you're losing out there if you don't, because you know, your gladiators are injured and that pisses them off and then they want to uh, leave you. But there is tools that if you pick the right employees, it takes a lot of this burn off of you. But that also locks you into a particular play style, which I kind of dislike but at the same time i kind of understand that you know if you want a more advanced or more powerful uh, uh group of gladiators you pick a different employee and take on a lot more burden yourself right okay so the safe system thing is like that, that, a no go like that that, that pretty that much is, like that, that's very very tough to get past i i fully agree it's one of those things that Domino would be a game that I would love to have where I would pick it up, play for a little bit, then put it back down. But the thing is that in order to play through this, you have to go through an hour and a half, two hours of gameplay. And there is, well, at, at the time of recording, no way around that. That is a huge no-go. And uh, just a uh, terrible design. Just absolutely terrible. Uh, completely inexcusable. Yeah, but if, if a, you know, let's say that they fix it or, you know, it wasn't an issue in the first place, that they actually weren't morons and put a safe system in for the beginning. This game just, uh, on like, on first glance, it looks so interesting. Like, there are so few yeah, it, good Gladiator games yeah, anymore. Yeah, it's a, but, that, that's the thing. I am, uh, you know, absolutely railing on this game because of how ambiguous it can be, but... If you're going into this and treating it almost like the roguelite, uh, like a lot of people are calling it, where it's, you know, the mystery is trying to figure it out and uh, toy around with different systems, you know, finding out, okay, uh, training up my gladiators till they have about a 60, 65 AI skill, then uh, bringing them down and letting them train up their other skills uh, works a lot better than training up to 100 because they're a lot stronger fighters, even if they're a little bit dumber, and the thing is that AI skill also gains as they fight, so if they win and or if they survive a battle, they get a little bit of AI skill as well. Because, yeah, that's... They should really should have called that combat prowess. Or, yeah, something like that. Yeah. I guess... Have you ever played Gladius? Uh, uh, no, I hadn't. 
it's an older gladiator game it was in like the early 2000s it was on original xbox ps2 might have been on gamecube um but i guess i was really hoping that this would be gladius which gladius was a turn-based um or something like it a turn-based gladiator style uh game and you trained up your gladiators and you could outfit them and train them and there were different classes and you could get animals as well to fight oh, you on can, your team like you can tigers. get you can get an animal on this it's part of a random event though and the thing is that it's essentially a gladiator that you can't heal so i usually just if i have Raymond the uh, Ludus to uh, support it. I'll uh, take it and take it into the pit fights and get a few quick bucks for uh, out of it, and that's about it. Because uh, the line can turn on you. <laughs> oh, fun! And also, I guess I should... And also, there's obstacles uh, that also you could uh, encounter where uh, there may be lines in the arena, and if your guy rolls too close to him, the line could break its chain and uh, maul you. And the lines are pretty much instant death. And uh, unless your guy is very, very well armored, yeah, maybe I should just emulate get an emulator of Gladius. Like I, I actually used to play lots of different Gladiator games, like the Colosseum series. Uh, I played that. Uh, I'm not sure how many games in the Colosseum series. I remember playing a few. Then there's the Gladiator series, which I think was on PSP and PlayStation Two. That I've played. Like I just had this point in, in time in my life where i was really fascinated with with gladiatorial stuff uh but, but you you watched uh spartacus blood sand and Saul. the dicks is like oh yeah spartacus and um wasn't the movie just called gladiator yep yeah glad like i saw those and it was like oh wow this is really cool i should, are there games okay okay, yes, I'm, there go- are. I okay I'm, gonna, I'm gonna sell this game to you okay uh one of the opening uh, pieces of uh, leg armor that you get is called a cock sheath. <laughs> nice. And there's actually a couple different uh, types of cock sheath. You could get a large black leather studded cock sheath. Yes. All right. <laughs> that but, still, though, doesn't make up for the lack of the save system. So if they fix that, I probably will buy yeah, this game. Most, but I'm not going to buy it without yeah, a save system. Yeah, for me, system. it mostly makes up for it. Uh, well, the music of this game is fucking awesome. I mean, just amazingly well done. And that is probably the highlight for me, is the music. Mm-hmm. Just that. And also, it has Twitch integration, which I've watched a few streams of this. I watched, well, not just TV play it, before I played it. Which kind of, uh, you know, gave me a lot of my impressions on it to begin with. Yeah. Uh, because a lot of it is seeing you know what certain things do and what certain things don't do uh but also toying around with it i it allowed me to refine some uh feelings on this game uh but the twitch integration is really neat where it could make the twitch uh, chat basically the crowd in the <laughs> gladiatorial games where uh people be able to cheer or boo to uh, affect just how much money you get and also if a gladiator surrenders, which is a possibility pretty early in the game, the Twitch chat decides if they live or die. <laughs> uh, Why? Well, then they just all die, right? Actually, all the time. no. Sometimes they uh, live. It really depends on how generous the Twitch chat is. And also, if t- with, Twitter, with Twitch integration in, it uses the chat names. 
for the gladiator oh. for the gladiatorial names. So you'll interesting. So watching TV, he out. Moobot became his nemesis, essentially. <laughs> because he kept coming up against this really strong gladiator named after the moderator bot that he uses called Moobot. <laughs> That's funny. It, 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 it was it was amazing. And just watching everybody cheer for, uh, for, for whoever was trying to fight Moobot, and then whenever they surrendered, sometimes they were merciful, sometimes they weren't. But it was... Uh, it, it's one of those games that the Twitch integration does is done really, really well. But should I talk about my biggest pet peeve with this game? All right, because I haven't gotten it. to that yet. It pulls the FTL bullshit of a massive difficulty spike at the end. Oh, but it's not just that. I mean, that I can understand. That's pretty much standard now with this type of game. Yeah, the sort of the roguelite, uh, with, uh, roguelite with other elements, having a massive boss at the end of whatever journey or time or whatever. That's pretty much blo- no, just bog standard at this point. That's not what really pissed me off. What really pissed me off with this game, and I'm not going to spoil, or should I spoil this or should I not? You can. It's okay. Okay, okay. If you want to have the ending of this uh, not spoiled for you, uh, skip, I would say, probably about the next ten minutes. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) My biggest problem with this game is that it actually breaks the theme of the game for its ending. The ending of this game is that Okay, you're, you go off to the championship, uh, in, in order to get to the championship, you have to fight at least three regional, uh, uh, qualifiers, and these are some really tough fights, by the way. So you have to have, uh, some really strong fighters. When you get back from the regional championship and you get all the money and everything, uh, to, uh, essentially save your Ludus, because you inherit this Ludus and, uh, you have a year to essentially turn, turn it around. That's your timer. Uh, essentially think of it as the FTL journey, getting to the end boss and, you know, uh, beating the end boss. It has an epilogue fight. The epilogue fight is the uh, magistrate, the legate, uh, sniffed out an assassination plot against him uh, that was uh, cooked up by this other guy that you'd never encounter from a neighboring Ludus to implement you and try to get you killed because you're a woman in ancient Rome. So you're thrown into the combat arena. As in your character, not your gladiators, you against, uh, I think, something like 10 or 12 uh, other gladiators, which is pretty much one one of the major uh, fights. Yeah, one of the major clusterfuck fights is they'll have essentially the entire Ludus versus another entire Ludus. Well, every prisoner that you set free, and you see where we're going with this with breaking the theme, comes into your aid. So in order to even stand a fucking chance in this fight, you have to set free before the end battle, my ad, which is insanely tough, some of your better, if not best fighters, to even have a chance to win the game. Which just completely breaks the theme of it. Yeah. That's 
That's dumb. Yeah. That's that, real dumb. Yeah, that's, like I said, that, that completely breaks the theme of it, doesn't it? Yeah. It's just one of those things that I, I got to it. It's like, wait, really? And then I went and started poking around the forums to see, okay, this is surely not how it is. And I didn't talk about this in the video because I didn't want to ruin the ending in a first impressions video. But I did mention that, yeah, it completely breaks the theme. And this is exactly what I mean. The idea of it is that you are a slave master, a, a domina. <laughs> and uh, first of all, okay, why are all these gladiators coming to your rescue if you set them free, they should have, you know, gone on with their lives. If, you know, assuming that, you know, they didn't get picked up by somebody else. But that's beside the point. That It's just so weird. It's like the uh, developer got to the ending and got, and uh, thought that it felt anticlimactic almost. And had this epilogue fight, which makes very little sense. Yeah. That just, yeah. I mean, it doesn't kill it for it me. It, it's a, it's is a good management game, but it's one of those things that really, yeah. Okay, the, I may have not gone in uh, quite as long as I thought I would, but yeah, that uh, I'm just really disappointed with how they decided to end it, and the fact that they had it's one of those games that has the you know hugely massive boss fight to begin to to begin with because it's just can we stop doing this? Stop doing what exactly? Uh, the, the whole the, these uh, essentially brick wall boss fights at the end of a management or uh, roguelite games. It, it just yeah. makes well really little sense to have this absolutely massive, massive fight, or I should say this massive difficulty spike. Having a massive fight is fight is one thing. Having a massive difficulty spike is another. Because that's what really turns me off of FTL is that it really forces you to play one, maybe two ways in order to get the uh, final boss down. And if you don't, you're pretty much screwed whenever you come up against that fight. Yeah. And that's why I think the uh, correlation between FTL and Domina is very apt because it suffers from the same exact problem. Only it's one of those things that... It would be like FTL every, yo, every budget that you visited and sold them uh, one fuel shows up to help you. Yeah. Yeah, something weird like that. Yeah, because that does go against the the one of the points of FTL. It's like you've got to get across the galaxy, so you've got to get fuel. And sometimes you wind up in a situation where you've just got to, like, sell off stuff that you would need to get fuel to keep going. So, yeah, that would be stupid selling fuel to get people to come help you in the end fight by the way while we were sitting here talking about this i uh i downloaded gladius <laughs> a rom for, for ps2 because my ps2 emulator is the only thing that i have up right now so uh oh i'm sure you have other to... things up right now hey it's yeah, kind of funny to... uh in the background during this entire thing well uh, at least during the last part of this uh, the film score for Gladiator came on on my Pandora channel. <laughs> oh, nice. Good timing. Good timing, Pandora. Okie dokie. Well, that means it's my turn to talk about games. Yeah, and sorry if I turned uh, you off on Domina. I don't know. I'm I'm not sure anymore. I mean, the whole safe thing, like, I wasn't going to buy it if they didn't fix it anyways, regardless of how good or bad it sounded. But 
I mean, you know, if you, I'm undecided now. I was like all for it, but now I'm kind of not sure. Not sure. And honestly, like, I mean, if you turn me off, then that just means that you saved me from spending some money on something that. Well, I, I know that you're excited like. about. That's the thing. That's okay. I mean, I'm a big boy. I yeah, you have it. the big boy chair now. That's right. I got my big boy chair. Uh, which like I'm so like chilled and just reclining right now. <laughs> it's great. Okay, dokie. So games I played this week. Uh, I've been playing some more Fallout 4, and I have some Tales from the Wasteland. Uh, I found something really cool, but it is a side quest, so I know that you don't want spoilers, and before I tell tell the tale, do you care to hear, like, side quest spoilers, or do uh, you want me to... Yeah, you can if you really want to. I can also mute uh, Skype. And then you can't hear me, and I can tell the story real quick and then unmute. I mean, how big a spoiler is this? I mean, is this, uh, you know, uh, hugely massive? Uh, it's in no way connected to the main story, and I don't think it's massive. I mean, it's like uh, a go ahead, thing. Then. It's more like a, a little reward. Like, if you've played Fallout for a long time, this is like a little reward for someone right, who's a long-time Fallout player. Okay, so I, you know, just continuing to explore the wasteland. The only quests that I've completed are just like accidentally stumbling upon like a, a settler uh, one of the settlement quests and I complete it. I've actually had that happen a couple of times, which I think is neat that those quests are already in place. And if you complete them by accident and you find out later, it's like, Oh, we, would you please save us from these people? Or would you recover this thing for us? It's like, Oh, you mean this thing right here? And they're like, yeah, you, and you hold it. up and you complete... uh, the, uh, the disinterred head. <laughs> yeah. Um, but I've, I've done a couple of those. One of them was like, this guy like wanted his family heirloom back and I picked it up and I was like, Oh, this is junk. I'll just use this to build something. And he was like, Oh, I want my family heirloom. Can you please go recover it? And we'll join you. And I was like, this family heirloom. He was like, well, yes, that's it. So I, th- I thought that was pretty neat. I've done that a couple of times, but now, anyways, now, so, uh, now how many battle caps do you have? A lot. No, no, got, no, no, I mean the guy that wants his heirloom back. Oh, the guy wants his heirloom back. Yeah. I usually don't. I mean, I don't like press people for extra money. I take oh, sure. whatever I'm the one that give. will look at the dying person's inventory and it's like, okay, so what do you have to sell? You do that. No, I don't. <laughs> I don't do that. It's just difference in play styles. Plus, it's funny. It is funny. Uh, but anyway, so I was just exploring, and uh, it, since it's set in uh, the the Boston area, there's the harbor there. Boston. And, uh, Boston. Fahaba. Uh, I wandered up and there's this kid like standing there on the dock and he like excitedly like calls you over and he's like, there's a sea monster, there's a sea monster. And you're like, what are you talking about, kid? Like sea monsters aren't real, but I mean, it's fallout. There's like giant crabs and crap everywhere. So sea monsters could totally be real. But anyways, like you ran on this kid's parade and he's like, no, no, look, you can see there's its eye. And if you look out in the bay, you can actually see something that looks like an eye moving around. And he's like, oh, you should go fight it and kill it. And then he had, like, a, a quest pops up. It's like, go check out the sea monster. So I swam out into the bay, and it's actually a Chinese submarine. Uh, and you can go inside, and the captain of the submarine is a ghoul. Uh, so he's been around since uh, the bombs, or since the, the nuclear war. So a uh, quick question, is it a yellow submarine? <laughs> no, that would have been amazing, though. But... Uh, he, it's you can choose to do a few different things. Like I saved because there were some interesting conversation options. Like I just backed out of the conversation and saved, and like you can be 
uh, all racist against him and call him a bunch of bad names and then fight him and kill him and take then his stuff. Then it becomes and, a yellow submarine. That it, yeah. Uh, or you can uh, – he, he has a quest and you can complete this quest for him to basically fix his submarine so that he can sail back to China and see what's left of his homeland because he, he knows that – uh, the United States also nuked China, and in in the Fallout storyline, the United States was invading mainland China, and that's what triggered them to decide to go ahead and nuke the U.S. Um, and I just thought that was really cool. Like, here's a submarine with a Chinese character who also was uh, around before the war, and uh, in in Fallout 4, your character served in the army. Dude, spoilers! Uh, I- I'm, joking. Like- I'm joking. I'm joking. Okay, but it's like so. It's like from one army person to another, and you can talk to him about some pre-war stuff, and it's just a really neat little quest line. He has you go hunt some things to repair his sub, and you have to fix the reactor, and you can uh, sabotage the reactor so that the sub blows up, uh, or you can mess that up and blow up the sub with you still on it. But if you complete the quest all the way, uh, he thanks you for showing that um, you know humans can be better than they once were, and all that sort of stuff. And then he gives you uh, this homing beacon that you can use to call in tactical nuclear strikes because apparently he still has a whole bunch of nukes on, on board that he didn't use. <laughs> and he doesn't have anything else better to do right now. He's he's like, yeah, I'm going to sail back to China, but I'll be here for a little while. Uh, if I'm still in the area, just call this in and I'll send in a tactical nuke. And it's like, all right, I'll call in a tactical nuke. But I just thought that was a really neat quest line that I, that I felt like was a good reward for people who um, – had played previous Fallout games. Now, now I'm just been... thinking, oh, 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 what was it? The uh, X Finder uh, in uh, New Vegas. Essentially the same idea. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, that I, just, was a, I just love stuff That like was that. a fun little gadget. Granted, a little scary that uh, a kid was running around with it. Yeah. <laughs> Good thing the safety was on. <coughs> because can you yeah. imagine <laughs> uh, power up the uh, attack satellite? Uh, that kid pulls the trigger, and you know, suddenly New Vegas goes up. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I want that to be Whoopsie. a mod. <laughs> if you don't have the, if you don't have the Eludes uh, uh, X Finder, I think it was. And that's the name of it. I, I know it's uh, essentially finding the uh, the range. Uh, it's a range finder, essentially. If you don't have that, and you power up that attack satellite, just New Vegas goes boom. <laughs> I'm the evil person, what can I say? <laughs> yeah. So that was I thought that was a neat quest. That's about the only thing interesting I found. I, I have like a kajillion bits of junk because I'm using a mod that, that all the junk doesn't have any weight. So I have practically an infinite supply of crafting materials. And I got like four or five <laughs> levels by building my, my towns and my settlements up. Uh so that was what I spent my time in fallout doing other than discovering this random quest line uh but beyond that the other games that i played this week and i'm kind of well two of them are kind of lumped together and one of them is similar uh the sanctum games sanctum one two and super sanctum tower defense so the sanctum series the first two at least are first person uh tower defense games so you play just a uh, one of the characters that they have, and you can choose your weapons and whatnot. And uh, you, you're building the tower defense maze on the fly and uh, fighting in first person to help defend your power core and all that stuff. 
And the main reason that I played these games was uh, when, so King's birthday was over the weekend. Uh, and when he was born, the games that I played in the hospital while we were waiting to bring him home were the Sanctum games. And I got to thinking about it and I was like, you know, it's been years. Like that was the last time I played all three of these games was when he was born. Cause I played through the story of Sanctum one or well, not this. I mean, there is sort of a story there, but it's just very, you know, just some levels laid out pretty much, uh, with a very generic, like we're fighting the aliens sort of thing. And I, I can't remember how many levels there are because uh, I didn't beat it this time, but it's not many. You know, you can beat it in a few hours. Sanctum 2 has got a much longer story campaign with, like, little cutscenes and things like that. It's a much more developed game. But, I mean, it's the same basic principle. Uh, but, anyways, I just sat down and played these games for a couple hours each. Just like, yep, that's... Yep, I was playing this game three years ago on my laptop with, like, this really crappy Logitech controller. Because I had forgotten to bring my mouse. Uh, and, I mean, there's no way you could I can play... Uh, a shooter with a touchpad but I have to have like this <laughs> ten dollar I mean some people can I can't I don't have that talent but uh I had like this ten dollar logitech controller at the time for playing RPGs uh and it was like it, it looked like a PS2 controller but it had the exact button layout of an Xbox 360 controller so I'm not sure how they didn't get sued for that but I mean it, it was a decent enough little controller uh, but anyways, so I played it with that, and it was quite bad to control because uh, FPS games on PC playing with controller is no good. Uh, well, usually most... PC games don't have the auto aim needed. Yeah, and there might be a way to turn it on that I didn't notice at the time, but I didn't have auto aim, so it was very difficult. I mostly focused <laughs> on the towers for completing levels. Uh, but the Sanctum games are a lot of fun. I mean, there have been tower defense games since that have done this and, and probably better. But at the time, I think this, that Sanctum was one of the first, if not the first tower defense game to drop you down into the first person and allowed you to actively fight against the, the horde that was coming in and, and do a lot with building the maze yourself to make it as complicated and elaborate as possible to slow them down. So, um... They're fun games. They also have a pretty big emphasis on co-op. Sanctum 1 can pretty well be played start to finish, single player. Sanctum 2, though, the difficulty, the farther you go, the it just becomes more and more difficult to beat it by yourself. Um, because the, the other players that play uh, get their own set of blocks and amount of turrets that they can build and stuff like that, and they earn currency. Everyone earns the same amount of currency. So... In the early game, you know, three or four players can just destroy everything. And then by the end, it's a pretty fair fight if you've got additional uh, co-op partners. So I'm sure it's possible to beat it in single player, but I, I'm i not good enough to do that. Yeah, I haven't I've, put enough time into it. Yeah, I have the Sanctum game, so I just never really put the time into them. And honestly, the, uh, the May-style tower defense games just don't interest me. I'm I'm not sure why that is. You know, it's just I prefer the tower defense games that you know you really can't maze, and it comes out to almost like a puzzle game where you have to figure out you know what combinations work well. Yeah, yeah. I'm I like a little bit of both. Um, I'm drawing a blank on the tower defense game that I'm trying to think of. Defense grid. Defen- yeah, Defense Grid. I, I love Defense Grid because Defense Grid has elements of both. Um, I mean, in the beginning, it's all linear 
and very yeah. little pathing that you yeah, can do. Yeah, later and by on the end, when it becomes more, yeah, building the maze, that's when I don't like Defense Grid nearly as much. Yeah, but, I mean, I think Defense Grid is my favorite tower defense game of all time. But still, Sanctum 1 and 2 are both excellent, fun games. And uh, I played Sanctum 2 originally on Xbox 360 several years ago. Uh, I got it, I think, as a review copy when I was still writing game reviews and never got around to reviewing it because uh, I was wrapping up college at the time and I didn't have as much Pretty time. Pretty sure I got mine out of the Humble Bundle or somewhere like that. Yeah. If I wonder how many people of our friends have it. A lot. Maybe we should play. Because Sanctum and Sanctum 2 both have four-player co-op. That would be a fun stream night, I think. Yeah, Sanctum 2, nine friends. Who owns this game? Ah, stupid. I'm signed in. <laughs> Why are you telling me I have to sign in? You're already showing me all my stuff signed in. One moment. As I type in the also, that's your password. two-factor authentication no, code. No, 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 you forgot. No, no, no. You have to hit space uh, twice, remember? <laughs> right. Uh, let's see. Do you have... Yeah, you have Sanctum 2, and you've played it. Yeah, uh, an hour. Supe has it. Supe! has it. Your uncle. So, yeah, a few of us have it. Let's see if more people have Sanctum 1. And welcome to the library checking portion of the podcast. Yeah. Uh, there's very few differences between Sanctum 1 and 2, aside from Sanctum 2 having a little bit more of a story focus. Uh, and the characters are each a little more distinct. I mean, you can pick from different weapons and characters in both games, but uh, characters in Sanctum 2 get bonuses for certain weapons and things like that, so you can So it's sort of the reverse uh, Borderlands, where you know, the weapons that you picked mattered in uh, Borderlands 1, Borderlands 2. Yeah, pick ever what the fuck you want. Yeah, in Sanctum 1, you can just pick whatever weapon works best for you. Uh or is going to fit, because, I mean, certain weapons are better against certain enemy types, and so it might be prudent to take a certain weapon for a certain map, but... Uh, and, and in Sanctum 2, there's also some RPG elements where that you can level up the specific characters to get bonuses for, you know, weapons and turrets and stuff like that, so... Uh, it's got a lot more of an RPG feel to it, but otherwise, I mean, the gameplay and everything is is identical, and they look pretty identical as well. They're probably built in the same engine. It's about the same amount of people who have Sanctum 1 and 2. But if it comes up on a good sale, I might buy a couple of copies and pass them out to our friends. And Uh-oh. we can all play some some good old first-person tower defense. Um, and then Super Sanctum Tower Defense, which I haven't talked about yet, is a kind of an 8-bit pixel arty style tower defense game. And it's a classic tower defense game where the, all you're doing is building towers. And it also has a huge focus on the maze aspect. But not quite so much, um, at least for as far as I've gotten. I haven't gotten as far in it. But, I mean, it's just kind of your classic tower defense game, so there's not a, a ton else to say about it other than, I mean, everything's themed like the other Sanctum games. So, it's fun. It's a lot cheaper, too. It's like, I think it's four bucks. It's like a hundred uh, megabytes or something like that. And... uh and it'll run on a potato. So, if you do want a tower defense game, if you, you know, if you do want to play a tower defense game and you haven't played one in a while, I would say check it out. It's a solid one. But, I mean, there's nothing really too special about it. It's just a solid game. 
if you have played the other Sanctum games previously, uh, you'd probably be a little bit more interested in it just because of the, the cohesion of the the theme and everything. But, I mean, there's it's not all that special. Now, does the ending uh, break the theme? I don't think so. <laughs> I don't think so. But, yep, that's all the games I played this week. Plus how many of our friends have them. So, are you ready to move on to our first news topic? I think so. What, you don't need to hit the elevator? Uh, I'm good right now. Uh, I'm, I mean, I'm, if you I'm need surprised. to... I'm, I'm surprised. I haven't drank very much of either of my beverages, actually. Oh, well, let's uh, get into the deep end of things, then. Oh, boy. Yeah. We started recording early tonight, so I'm not, like, downing caffeinated beverages to give myself a little boost yet. I've got maybe another hour before that happens. Oh, my. So, the slap fight between Gearbox and G2A. Yeah. Uh, so, we're really yeah. glad, actually, that we missed this last week. Like, yeah, this I think was, this happened on recording Yeah, night. this was happening right as we started recording. Uh, a lot of this stuff started to come out. And I, I'm part of me wishes that you know, I got that large rant in because... Yeah, I'll be perfectly honest. I don't have a lot of love uh, for Gearbox. And that's not just because I got burned out on Borderlands. It's the fact that they haven't really done a good game since Borderlands 2. <laughs> and yes, I am including Bulletstorm's uh, re-release on that. Have you, just a quick aside, have you played Bulletstorm before? No, I didn't get to play Bulletstorm. Uh, okay. Because I avoided it like the plague due to... Game Show does laugh and can't play the old version now because they removed it from Steam. Because ah. Gearbox, they are a bunch of dicks. So, you know, it's more just the enemy of my enemy. <laughs> you know, what? Right. Watching uh, these two fight uh, was quite glorious, I might add. I've played uh, Bulletstorm. I had it for Xbox 360 several years ago. It's a really fun FPS that doesn't take itself too seriously and it's got good solid gameplay mechanics like really good FPS gameplay mechanics I think on par with Wolfenstein um, but I mean it's got some bad parts to it too it's not like a perfect game it's just a good solid offline uh, it, it, single player first person shooter it, it's a well, from what I could see it's a good game that if you don't mind you know, something that's just utterly brainless yeah 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 that's a good way to look at it the humor's all right the first time through. A lot of it's super crude uh, and not well thought out. Which but... is probably the uh, perfect reason why Duke is involved in the uh, re-release. Yeah. We'll, we'll talk about that, though. Yeah. Uh, so, let's. do you want to just give kind of a, a, a general overview of what happened? Yeah, let's do happened? the general overview of things, and we'll start breaking things down. Uh, basically... Well, Gearbox decided that they wanted to get in bed with the devil and release the collector's edition of, uh, or the whatever, the, or the, what was it, the fully loaded version or whatever, uh, of Bulletstorm through, uh, distribute through G2A, a key reseller. As a matter of fact, the biggest of the key re- resellers. Right? Yep. Kind of the entry level, uh, Key reseller, yeah. Like, then the one that everybody knows about. Then well, Total Biscuit sees this. Gearbox uh, announces a boycott of uh, Gearbox. Gearbox calls uh, Total Biscuit. It's like, what's up, dude? <laughs> why? 
Why mad, bro? Why you mad, bro? <laughs> because I guess they didn't use Google when they were signing this business deal because it's utterly ridiculous that they don't know who G2A is and the reputation that this company has. And there's no excuse. No. So, Total Biscuit and uh, Gearbox uh, have a little talk. Gearbox lays down an ultimatum of, uh, what was that, four points that uh, G2A had to adhere to to uh, keep the business deal? Yep. G2A uh, pulls a, well, a Hello Games and goes radio silent. Uh Gearbox pulls out the deal. Then G2A decides, yo, let's uh, not uh, let this uh, die and starts to uh, owing some mud. <laughs> oh, boy. Yep. It, I'm not sure there's not enough popcorn in the world for this uh, story, to be perfectly honest. Uh, only if uh, <laughs> uh, Sean Murray or Peter Molyneux was in the middle of this. Well, <laughs> that's the only way that would be better. Yeah. More laughable. So. Oh, where do we even start with this? Because this is one of those that you look at just the train wreck the story is. Yeah. So. Sorry. Sorry. Go ahead. And and, and from any angle, you just see more mangled bodies. And and, uh, it's I have no idea where to even approach this from. Well, I want to start the a point that I want to make, and then maybe we can just work our way through the points. But so about the whole uh, gearbox didn't know about G two A or whatever. I think, and I'm not making an excuse, but I think what happened there is that the people who know stuff are were not the people who made the decision. The people who controlled the money were the people who made the decision, and so. I, yeah, Probably essentially people on the dev team. Yeah, I could, I could see that where the suits uh, were the ones that, uh, that then essentially the investors were the ones that I was like, oh, this seems like a really great business deal, and they don't bother. But the thing is that it, you know, there's no way that you know, Gearbox didn't have some inkling what they were getting into. Yeah, and I mean, there's, that's not an there's excuse. No I'm not way. excusing their behavior, but uh, they I may think have that's pressure. What there. They, they may have been pressured into this. Uh, but, you know, them saying that, oh, we had no idea. Bullshit. Fucking bullshit. Own up to your fucking mistake. Yeah. Yeah, they should. They won't, but they should. Uh, I do want to get this is Gearbox. For- They're not going to own up to their mistakes. Uh, Gearbox is a company that is fucking shady to begin with and and this is a part of the rant that I was uh, wanting to do last week after seeing that I missed this is that Gearbox is uh, uh, not really embezzled but kind of siphoned money off of other projects to fund uh, well Borderlands 2 for one so you know it's a company that I could definitely see in bed with G2A (laughs) Yeah. Uh, I I do want to commend them, though. Like, I have some problems with the way that they sort of went through this process, but I'm glad that they reached out to Total Biscuit and listened to him and then came up with um, a sort of solution 
And then not only did they come up with the solution, they followed through when yeah, G2A didn't com- respond. Yeah, I do have to commend them on that. And they got a little bit of respect back. Granted, my respect for them, like I said, is very low to begin with. So, yeah, it's uh, yeah, a very low bump on the uh, radar, but it, it is up a little bit for them. But yeah. It sounds a lot sexier than what it actually is, though, but still. Wink. Um. But uh, so the the problem that I have with the way that they went about this is that uh, they basically made TB do all of the, their legwork for them, which, I mean, Total Biscuit has, I, I don't know how long, it feels like years worth of evidence that he's built up against G2A, and he's been speaking out against them for a long time. So it probably wasn't too much work on his part, but still, it's like they should have done their own research to corroborate with TBs. Yeah, it's just one of those things that, Okay, okay. Even if it isn't uh, this, you know, the isn't the uh, developers or uh, that's making the call here. It's the suits, the ones in power, the uh, essentially the publishing arm of uh, Gearbox. Because I think this is uh, essentially self-published by them. They uh, just did the uh, they did the legwork in their development se- section and uh, essentially self-published it. Even if the publisher portion of Gearbox was the one behind this do your damn research yeah i mean it would take less than five minutes to on google look around and see just the reputation this company has and you have to have your head far 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 up your ass to think that this isn't going to cause a blowback yeah you have to be very, very, very detached from not just gaming culture, but the internet in general to think that you could get away with this without any ramifications. Yeah, the the days of making backdoor business deals, by and large, are gone just because so much stuff winds up online. And big things like this pretty much have to be announced publicly. Uh, and you can't hide it. Like, people find this stuff. So... Yeah, yeah, this were... was, yeah, this was so removed from internet culture. I would almost think that Nintendo was behind it. <laughs> I don't think I would fault you too much for thinking for thinking that. <laughs> so I I want to know what you think about uh, TB having this much influence and sort of. I will say that power might be the wrong word, but it, you know, it, I mean. I, Oh, don't get me wrong. I do like Total Biscuit, but it is a little scary that one uh, individual is this powerful in the in the industry. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I I also love TB, and honestly, if anybody's going to have that power, I think he's probably one of the best ones. Yeah, to he have does it. tend to uh, uh, support the uh, consumer, uh, but the thing is that TB has had a few times where he's gone on rants yeah and uh lashed out at people yeah i think that that's happening less and less though as he gets older because i mean tb is only in his what late 20s or early 30s yeah yeah thereabouts he's 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 talked about that a bit in the last couple of years even though he looks a lot older that's the thing he looks a lot older because he went bald early (laughs) yeah that and i'm sure the cancer treatments haven't helped that his his appearance, but yeah, true. You know, he's he's talked about that at length a couple of times because he's, uh, I he used to he doesn't do it very often, but he used used to uh, put up little one off audio stuff uh, on his SoundCloud. 
that would get pushed out to his the the co-optional podcast feed. Yeah. And he's talked about that at length. Like, you know, I used to do all of these things. I'm I'm just as guilty as some of the rest of them, but I hope I've learned my lesson and I you know, I have people to help manage me now whenever I get angry. Yeah, that's the thing is that tell me not to tweet and things like that. Yeah, so Yeah, here's the thing is that well, uh, on the I realize we're horribly, horribly off topic because we are focusing on Total Biscuit, but this is kind of the thing that uh, I think that the internet is kind of shining a light on individual people almost too much where you have it where one person, you know, uh, well, let's let's okay. Okay. Let's talk a little bit about PewDiePie where he had the whole controversy around him and what was getting hit pieces from uh, essentially, well, now it's old media, but you know, the new media <laughs> online, uh, uh, blogs because yeah really new media now is uh twitch and uh, youtube at least for gaming yeah and they they were just getting hit he was getting hit pieces from uh, uh the gaming sites because uh he fucked up i'm not uh supporting him on this because he did fuck up but at the same time it's one of those things that he is also has what is it over? He's well over fifty billion followers now on or, or subscribers on YouTube and however many he has on Twitch now because he's doing a Twitch show now weekly. And it's yeah, one person. It's very easy to fuck up because you have to uh, build that team around yourself, and some people just don't do it. Like TB didn't for years. Yeah. So uh, having that much power on someone that doesn't have the supporting staff around them is very, very dangerous because it could cause, well, it has caused lynch mobs. Yeah. Uh, Well, just, well, it's also in the show notes uh, where he had to essentially call people back on lynching every uh, person that, or every developer that, has any association with G2A because they are essentially strong armed into their protection racket. Yeah. Yeah. He, he released, uh, I think it was a, like a 15 minute audio. Yeah. Cool your jets. Uh, uh, yeah. SoundCloud. And I yeah. think he also put it on his uh, YouTube uh, thing as uh, YouTube thing, YouTube channel. Boy, that almost sound like uh, spicy there. <laughs> he put it on the YouTubes there. It's, it's up on the YouTubes. Don't you know? <laughs> um, but yeah, he, he, uh, you know, was telling people, like you said, like, hey, stop going after all of these developers. I don't go after these little guys because, you know, they can't put up a fight. And so, you know, it's easier for them to, to just join the racket and, yeah, put up which, it and uh, get something rather than nothing. And, yeah, that, that's that, that's the thing is that uh, I'm not sure if I entirely agree with that. But I'm also, I'm not a game developer, so I'm not I don't have the full picture there. I don't know, you know. If they didn't do this, that yeah, their studio would close down because they wouldn't have the money. I don't know. That's why yeah. I'm very leery about it. But the big fish doing this—that's a completely different thing. Yeah. Um, and honestly, where the power lies is with the consumer on this. If people wouldn't fucking use these sites, yeah, it wouldn't matter. They would shut down. Yeah, and hopefully, nobody in our audience is breaking the commandment. Thou shalt not use gray market key sites. Otherwise, we send Jared uh, over to give you a spanking. 
Wink. Unless you went, uh, unless you were into that sort of thing, then we've won't. <laughs> yeah, we'll send rage. Yeah, because you know I would be so delightful for that. Absolutely. Um. So, anyways, like I, I was about to say, uh, Gearbox is not like a massive publisher developer, uh, but they are, you know, AAA level. This is. At least for now. Some... I mean, the, the, the course uh, gearboxes have been going, I've wanted to uh, downgrade them to double A. Because... Yeah, fair enough, but they're still well, well, doing all right for now. So. Well, Battle Stillborn. Yeah. But, I mean, uh, almost said Fallout. Borderlands has made them, I'm sure, I'm, tons I'm, of I money. St- I still think Borderlands was a fluke for them. I really do. I mean, it may be, you know, but... Because I'm just looking at if, the rest of uh, Gearbox's list of uh, games, and they haven't done really anything even close to the level of Borderlands. Yeah. Well, regardless, though, they're still a, a big company, and this is bound to have a negative impact on G2A. I would be amazed if if they didn't start having some some serious blowback from other developers that are with them. Maybe not necessarily like the really little indie guys, but sort of any double A's that have got contracts with them or the larger indie studios that do hopefully, well, not, yeah, hopefully, hopefully they have some negative consequences from this. I would be a little more okay with G2A if they basically did everything that Gearbox had outlined to them, uh, which was, let's see, their, their shield with like their fraud protection is free instead of a, a paid subscription <laughs> service. That would be a pretty big change anyways that that I would give them oh, a little sorry, bit that's more so slack. Funny. Oh, that's hilarious. But uh, mostly because they uh talk about how they can't do that. Yeah, which is not true. They could, but they make a lot of money off of it. They make a lot of money off that and they make it Damn, uh, damn near impossible to uh, turn it off. You have to go through over ten steps to turn it off. Yeah, which is and ridiculous. And on top of everything else, uh, for a short time, and uh, Indie Gala ended up on my shit list for a short time because they were using uh, G two A as a uh, essentially to run credit cards. G two A set it up so that. If you ran a purchase through them while they were uh, servicing uh, Indie Gala, Shield got turned on. Oh, and, and it was the default thing, and you could turn it off when you were doing the transaction, but it was default on, and the uh, check mark for it was a check mark. You had to click the shield to disable the shield. <laughs> And it God, did, that's terrible. And it that's didn't. So it didn't look like a uh, checkmark. It just looked like a standard icon, you know. That that makes me even more upset at G two A than I already am constantly. Why do you think uh, Some, Indie Gala ended up on my shit list for a while because of it? Somehow, actually, I had to deal with Shield. I don't know how, but G two A Shield started charging my PayPal account at one point, like last year. And it probably was. I bought a few bundles. Uh, Indie Gala. From, it has to be. It, it must have been. I don't remember, but it got turned on, and I noticed like, where is this like one dollar and something going every month? Because I didn't notice it for like, I don't know, two or three months. 
and uh, I had to go through this huge process and talk to multiple representatives, and uh, I finally got it turned off, and then I ran all of those charges through PayPal's fraudulent protection and uh, got it all back. I mean, it was like five... that, you're just the one that's banking for me. Yeah. It was like five bucks. You know, like not the end of the world. It's the principle like, of the thing. It was. It was like, I'm going to go through this process. It probably is going to take me longer than like, like my time would be worth more than five bucks. But I just, I just, yeah, it's just the principle of it. And I got that five bucks back. And from more, it's not, from them. it's taking uh, the money from them. That's the That's thing. right. Yeah. It's not so much you're getting your money back, you're taking the money from them. Yeah. Yeah, but I bought, I, it must have been Indie Gala, because I bought like a, a train bundle that they had. It had like Sismire and Railroads yeah, this was, and a whole bunch of yeah, other I stuff. Yeah, I think that was it. about the time, uh, about the timing was the, when Indie Gala had it. Yeah, so that, that must have been. And, it. and that's the thing, is that I can't blame you for that because, uh, I saw, people highlighting this and was talking about okay well here's the checkbox to turn it off and you click the icon of a shield that they are that's not a standard thing yeah it's it's designed to be completely uh yeah scummy it's uh to trick people into paying this extra buck a month for a service that yeah they obviously don't need because they're not using your site they're using you as a payment processor Yep. I mean, this isn't a tip. Uh, how about oh, for next? Uh, is that for, a segue? For, for later. No, no, Although no. that's we're not, not our next news topic. Yeah, we're not uh, doing that for a while. Actually, no, they are next on the list. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but we're not done with this because, oh. So, so uh, okay, yeah, let's let's try and get back on topic. What's uh, the next order of business in this whole or deal that you want to bring up. Uh, G2A accuses uh, Gearbox of deflammatory uh, statements because then, uh, well, after Gearbox leaves this entire uh, uh, business deal, uh, the key seller claims that <laughs> they've already been doing everything Gearbox wants. <laughs> Which oh. they haven't. Oh, let's, let's see if I can find any delicious quotes from here. Um, Oh, okay, okay. Uh, it, uh, I, I won't do uh, the condescending voice because, honestly, this makes me roll my eyes to begin with. It all began with a few negative reactions from uh, some YouTubers, and in particular, John Total Biscuit Bane. I love that he uses they use his full name, by the way. <laughs> yeah. Uh, to an announcement that G2A.com is working together with Gearbox Publishing, our partner, Gearbox Publishing, unfortunately decided to uh, publicly publish a letter <laughs> with a list of automations. <laughs> yeah, unfortunately. <laughs> <laughs> Without consulting us about the truth of the allegations. <laughs> oh. Uh, this uh, is an excellent example of that rash actions without full knowledge of the facts can be harmful to both the developer and the marketplace, especially since all the requests made of G2A in the ultimatum have, in fact, long been part of our marketplace. Uh, we never talked about what they were, what their optim, uh, what, what they were requiring. Uh, we didn't, but it looks like in this article, do they list them all? Uh, uh, well, let's just go back to make sure uh, it's not on that article either. Oh, like I said, this is such a train wreck that it's, 
Uh, it's on one of these articles. Yeah, somewhere. Uh, okay, go, go, here we go. go. Uh, oh, you found it? Yeah. Okay. Uh, since, since we brought it up, we have to talk about this now. Yeah, so the first one, before Bulletstorm Steam launch, G2A must make a public commitment to, uh, within 30 days, G2A Shield will be made free instead of a separate paid subscription service. Yeah, which there's no way that they would have done that. That that makes a far, far too much money. Yeah. Uh, the second one, within it's 90 one, days... Yeah, well, I want to talk a little bit about their shield. Uh, their shield is essentially their... Uh, uh, their protection racket for keys. You know, if you get a key that is stolen that gets revoked, uh, they'll give you another one. That's pretty much what Shield is, right? Yeah. And they said it at such so. a low price that, you know, it's one of those, you know, uh, well, well, you did notice it for months. Yeah, I didn't notice it, like I said, for, you know, three or four months. It's a dollar a month. Uh, it's one of those, uh, it's at that impulse price. It's like, yeah, well, well, yeah, of course I want to be protected for a buck a month. Why wouldn't I be? I'm using this site a lot. But yeah. it's also one of those uh, prices that if you stop using the site, you know, you forget about it. Mm-hmm. Uh, but that's what G2A Shield is, essentially, is their uh, their protection, their uh, fraud protection, which, yeah, the fact that their fraud protection is, is uh, cost you extra money seems scummy to be uh, just on yeah. the surface, let alone, you know, the site itself. Anyway, uh, yeah. Let's see. Do you, uh, oh. Do you want me to read the second one? Yeah, go ahead. Within 90 days, G2A will open up a web service or API to certified developers and publishers to search for and flag for immediate removal keys that are found to be fraudulent. Which This access will be free of charge and will not require payment by the content holders. Which technically they do, but that's their protection racket. Yeah. Uh, Don't which, you have to contract with them in order yeah, to get that? Yeah, you have to contract yeah. them. Uh, and that's the thing is, you know, it's uh, costing the developers money. Uh, which, once again, is where they're trying to, uh, well, Gearbox is trying to lean on G2A after being called out. That, that's the thing is that it, it's one thing to do it, but it's another thing uh, post facto to uh, try to lean on them. Uh, mm-hmm. That shouldn't have happened in the first place. Let's be perfectly honest. No, it shouldn't have. Uh, do you want me to read the third one now? Yeah, go ahead. Within 60 days, implement throttling for non-certified developers and publishers at the title, user ID, and account payable levels for fraud flagging process. This is to protect content providers from having large quantities of stolen goods flipped on G2A before they can be flagged. Once again, it should be in there to begin with. And the, and the thing is that G2A talks a lot about... Oh, well, we obviously uh, look for key, uh, for stolen keys. No, they don't. There's been so many accounts of people having what they confirm is a stolen key. Put yeah. it on the site, and it's immediately ver- uh, verified. Yeah. So, I, before we go any farther, like, I, we may have said this before, I don't remember, but I don't have a problem with a site designed to allow people to resell or, you know, just sell digital copies of games. I think that it's important to, in order to help users continue to maintain ownership of their goods, that they have a digital marketplace to trade them. Well, my my biggest problem with it, uh, outside of the stolen goods uh, uh, portion of it, is uh, it will dramatically impact sites like Humble Bundle. Yeah, where uh, a lot but, of uh, a lot of bundles for Humble Bundle 
consolidate their bundles down to one key now because people were selling the excess keys. Yeah. But, I mean, still, I, you know, I think I, I know, I know. allowed that, that, to do that. Yeah. And a site that actually puts in these proper protections and just makes them part of it, like, hey, we want this to be a safe and secure marketplace yeah, if, if Humble Bundle uh, had the, uh, uh, the way of uh, telling G2A, okay, these are charity keys. We don't want these to be resold. And have it part uh, of the transaction that they don't uh, go on a, uh, another site. Which, granted, yeah, that's not going to happen because yeah, there's where there's a will, there's a way. There's always going to be a market for these things. Yeah, but yeah, but, this is the big fish. Uh, it's the it's the gearbox problem. You know, it's what well, the we're going after gearbox because they're the big fish dealing with the G two A. Well, G two A is the big fish, and that rather murky. Uh, polluted pool that yeah that's the dark side of the uh, of the games industry really or at least on pc yeah but you know if there was a site that had all the proper protections and everything for it i'd be all for them but as far as i know there isn't one and g2a is just just a a dumpster fire well if if i recall correctly uh my my first time I encountered G2A, or if it's not G2A, it's another key mailer, or, or not key mailer. Key mailer is a, a, a site that I use for review copies. They're a good site. Mm-hmm. Uh, another key seller site where they, uh, ha- their mascot was a guy in a trench coat, like he's selling watches. They know, or at least the site knew, what they were <laughs> dealing with. Yeah, what they were doing. King and, one is the only other big name one that I know. Yeah, I'm not sure if it was G2A or King one or uh, someone else, but I remember seeing them. Uh, this was a, a Daisy Battle Royale stream. Yeah, before Battle Royale games became uh, the new thing, and you know every. Uh, uh, independent game uh, became uh, either a survival game or a battle royale game. This was when uh, D- uh, Daisy was still a mod. <laughs> right. I saw uh, uh, the ads uh, uh, for this key seller site. It, was just, it just struck me as so scummy. <laughs> and obviously it was. I mean, we're sitting here talk about it, uh, talking about it and talking about that side of the industry. Yeah, I'm doing a Google search for sites like G2A to see if I can find one that has a, a guy in a trench coat like a, mas- a mascot. So far, I'm coming, this up, was, like na- coming up with this nothing. This was probably about... Uh, uh, this was... I, I don't even want to put a year on it because... It, well, for one, it makes me feel damn old. <laughs> and also, since it was uh, the mod version of Daisy, who knows long, how long ago that could have been. I'm pretty sure uh, Daisy was originally released for uh, alongside Pong at this point, and it's still in, in development. <laughs> I'm not. I'm not finding one with a trench coat. Oh well, well. it was probably uh, uh, custom made for that one stream because yeah. it was like an overlay. Uh, uh, whenever uh, they were talking about it, yeah. But anyway, uh, more stipulations? Yeah, the the last one. Uh, within 30 days, G2A restructures its payment system so that customers who wish to buy and sell legitimate keys 
are given a clear, simple fee structure that is easy to understand and contains no hidden or obfuscated charges. Join the <laughs> ranks of other major marketplaces. Oh, that's so cute. And of course, uh, the uh, answer was, well, first, like we said, radio silence. And then let's see if I can find another quote on here because this, I am reading this from an article and not their press release because I don't want to stain my computer with that. Uh, let's see. The problem uh, is that some developers do not want to accept that people resell their games. The developers would rather like to control the market and see all sales channels within. Imposing higher prices and prohibiting the resale of unused games. G2A does not agree with this, and we respect the buyer's rights. Buyers who often, unfortunately, believe that the rules set forth by developers follow the law. This is why G2A will not give developers with whom we have not signed the agreement with unlimited access to and the ability to modify our databases. Uh, we have to uh, protect uh, every honest seller. <coughs> Sorry. <laughs> uh, I thought it was something. Uh, and by giving uh, them such access to all developers, we would allow for a situation in which a developer could delete every key within our marketplace, regardless of its origin. Such an action would be damaging to the industry, to gamers, and illegal. It's kind of funny that they're talking about legality, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, it is. But the thing is, is that if you were running a legitimate operation, developers wouldn't do that. And I'm sure that you could set up rules that, uh, for, you know, devs can only access keys that are linked to their games. I don't feel like that would be too difficult. I mean, I'm not... I mean, I could... I I am going to play devil's advocate on this because I can see a little bit of where they're coming from because we've talked about how some developers and some publishers are just... They don't get how things are now, especially Japanese ones. Yeah. So I could see a little bit where they're coming from, but it's still bullshit. Yeah. So that's about as far a devil's advocate as I could be on that point. Let's see. By contrast, the uh, uh, GTA Direct program. Let's uh, talk about that. Let's see. We respect our critics and believe that uh, they have the good of the industry at heart. Unfortunately, uh, this is such a condescending tone, isn't it? And I'm not helping. (laughs) Unfortunately, sometimes they do not understand how G2A works. And as such, ha- such a misunderstanding causes them to mislead the public about our company. The best proof of this is that the four optimums formulated in part by John Bain. They don't even use Total Biscuit on that one. He's just John Bain now. Uh, which it turns out were completely unnecessary as all the issues raised have long been part of G2A's marketplace. <laughs> uh-huh. uh, most of the allegations levied against us are based on both lack of knowledge and lack of desire to learn about the other side of the story the best example of this is quoting false and deflammatory statements while ignoring the facts <laughs> yeah oh G2A oh, it's just 
it's one of those things that it's mind-boggling this entire story's happened that this is a thing yeah i uh yeah i don't i don't expect like g2a to to go away because of this whole incident i definitely don't but i i do expect them to have a severe downturn not because of this but because of some of the stuff steam is wanting to do to essentially take a bite out of them and if some of the stuff that Steam is looking at could be extended to other marketplaces, you know, well, you know, Humble Bundle has to be the biggest source of legitimate keys from G2, for, well, for G2A. If uh, a site like Humble Bundle could use the key mailer system that uh, Steam has been talking about to uh, directly add the games that you uh, uh, buy, then that would be uh, a huge butt to them. Yeah, you know, a huge uh, buy out of their marketplace. Yeah, and Humble Bundle, like I said, it's just the first one that comes to mind. Uh, you have Indie Gala, which is uh, essentially the same thing, only uh, they got uh, tainted with uh, that. Uh, oh shoot! Now I'm blanking on the other ones, <laughs> but uh, yeah, all these uh, little bundle sites are uh, yeah, just fodder for uh, uh, the probably where the majority of the legitimate keys come from. Yeah. I uh I think I know what would fix this altogether. And it's if Steam and uh the other major retailers, online retailers like Origin and um Uplay and all Well, all I thought that we were jazz. talking about major uh major retailers. Well, like like the the big sort of um GOG as well, like, you know, the the people who have all of the launchers and everything. If they had a, a system where that you could just sell your game to another member in a marketplace, and for Steam it would be like, you know, they would work it out, but Steam would get, say, 10% of the sale, and then the developer would get 10% of the sale. Then these sites like G2A would cease to exist. True, but I really don't think that games. would happen because... Uh... I don't think we would have the uh, the Steam sales anymore. That we wouldn't have such a steep discount. Well, granted, the Steam sales of the past just aren't the they don't exist now. But I think publishers would be a lot more hesitant, and that's why sites like G two A exist. Is that there's just that hesitance of allowing a reselling on a PC because it's been such a plague on consoles. Yeah, but in a in an all digital marketplace, you can guarantee that the developers still get some of the secondhand sale. I mean, they're not going to get you know fifteen dollars like if you just bought the game you know straight up. But yeah, true. You know, I, you I, think, like- I think I think GameStop has made publishers gunshot to even consider this because they look at the at the GameStop problem and see that this is going to happen again, even though they do get a little bit of a taste of it. They'll think that, okay, we're going to only get you know, a quarter of the sales that we got before because uh, the day one sales will still be there. They'll get through the game and then resell it. And uh, we'll be let's be perfectly honest. The sales on PC are a more long-term thing. You don't, ha- you, you don't have as much as a console for that day one sale. You don't get that huge bump 
and then that's it. You have the what's essentially the long tail. I mean, just let's pick on Skyrim. Skyrim it gets uh, in the top sellers. How often? Oh, it's always there. Yeah. I think that this would hurt a few developers, for sure, but it would disproportionately help most small to mid-level developers because, uh, you know, those games don't get the same amount of sales as your Skyrims and your Call of Duties and whatnot, which I guess Call of Duty is a bad example because it, it doesn't get <laughs> nowhere near the sales on PC that it does on console, but still. Uh, con- uh, uh, Call of Duty doesn't even get Call of Duty numbers anymore. Yeah. Fair play, but regardless, like most developers would benefit from the system. So, I, and then for the really big devs, like say uh, EA, you know, they could allow that on Origin, and then it wouldn't matter. Like, since there's, you know, they don't have to split the money two ways, they could take twenty percent of every resale. So, I mean, it's, I think that that would make all of this go away. You know what would really make it all go away? What? As if they uh, adhered to the commandments to begin with. <laughs> Absolutely. If we can make all the devs adhere to the commandments and every gamer in the entire world adhere to the commandments, we'd be fine. We should we should start our own religion. Get our followers to adhere to the commandments. Can we have silly hats? Absolutely. I mean, you can't have a religion without a silly hat. Absolutely not. The sillier, the better. The sillier the, uh, that our the, hat the, is, the, the, sillier the better our religion is. The sillier and also the bigger. Remember, you have to have a large silly hat. Yeah, I want a Pope hat. But better and bigger. <laughs> and, of course, since this is a, a gaming religion, it has to be RGB. Fair enough. Fair <laughs> enough. I can, I can live with that. So, uh, are we ready to move on? Or... I think so. Fine. Okie dokie. <laughs> oh, what a clusterfuck uh, that was. It was. It's it is. Still, the whole ongoing. topic That's is. Insane. Yeah, the whole topic is just a mess. It's, it's a train really hard wreck. to. It's a train wreck. There's no way around it. Yeah, we struggle to stay on topic regularly, but given how messed up and all over the place this one topic is, it we uh, I think we did pretty good. Yeah, we did all right. Well, uh, by our standards, at least. Yeah. Do you need to take a trip to the elevator? No. Do you? No, nah, I'm I'm still good. Uh, what is this going to be? Elevator free show? I doubt it. <laughs> I've gotten through oh. all of my water at this point, Uh-oh. and I'm halfway through my coffee, so I might make it another topic or two. Okay, so uh, a, speaking oh, of those topics, yeah, I was about to say uh, a popular uh, gaming payment processor. <laughs> so, yeah, uh, dipping into the funds allegedly. That, that's the thing is that. I've looked for more information on this topic since I first saw it. Uh, we got a tweet from Jim uh, talking about this as well and wanted us to talk about it. I haven't found a damn thing outside of some Reddit posts. So it's, we're going to be invoking another commandment today. <laughs> yeah, trust but verify. So maybe this is happening. Maybe this isn't. Maybe this is... Uh, a uh, happening to some people we don't know and have looked for this yeah and when you google it what you get is, is the, the reddit, reddit post yeah the reddit posts so we'll link to the reddit post because it's about the only place we can link to in the show notes or by we i mean me 
Yeah, I have to say though <laughs> that saying Exola, like I've never heard of Exola before. Uh, and I mean, I spent a lot of money on video games in a lot of different ways, and I've never heard of yeah, them. Yeah, supposedly so. they are. Well, they're they're one of the payment processors for Twitch. So yeah, they definitely are a a, a well used a payment processor. I'm not sure if I use the would use the term popular, but yeah, it, they're used for Smite. They're and they're used for a few other fairly decent sized games. So they're, they're definitely. Uh, yeah, up there. But, oh, th- this is uh, so scummy, if this is true. That's the thing, is that there is no confirmation on this. Uh, supposedly, there is a percentage of the payment that you uh, send through them. They're keeping, and they're calling it a tip. <laughs> Who would want to tip their payment processor? Do you do you tip the, the teller at the bank? Nope. I mean, sometimes I tell her that that she should probably dress better because she looks like a slob. But you know, well, actually, technically, uh, at my bank, sometimes uh, they tip me because uh, they give me a lollipop. Nice. <laughs> I don't. I don't actually say mean things to the bank teller. I rarely ever go to the bank. I, I usually just to, avoid yeah, eye contact and try not to talk to them. Yeah, I haven't gone to the bank in ages, but last time I went to the bank, I did get a lollipop. <laughs> legit uh, but yeah this is one of those things that it's a lot of hearsay and like I said I haven't found any confirmation on this uh, is there a lot to talk about in this it's more uh, almost a public service announcement and uh, to well uh, especially if you've uh, ran a a purchase through uh, Indie Gala as well since you know, G2A was running for them to ch- check your bills at the end of the month. Yeah. Well, some of the things that at least in, that were in the Reddit posts are uh, corroboratable, I guess is how you'd say that. Uh, they even link to where it says that uh, they already take 5% of all transactions, which is a bit steep, uh, I believe the sort of average cost, at least with credit card companies, that they take off of the transaction is between uh, 2 and 3%. So 5% is a little bit, but, I mean, that's still... I mean, they're well within their balance to charge whatever they want for people to use their service. Um, yeah, according to this... Uh, well, uh, there's a couple people saying that uh, Smite has it, uh, Digimon Adventures, which I didn't even realize that was a thing. But then again, I'm not, uh, with it with the kids. Uh, has it with a, a picture of proof that th- if you put a payment through, it adds, uh, a tip for, uh, Exola. Uh, Realm of the Mad God and Blackshot, uh, has it, but Chronicles of Anoria, which is, some MMO and MechWarrior Online does not have it, and it's had it disabled by a publisher complaint. That's, yeah. yeah, the fact that the publishers have to complain is troubling. So, fi- firing, following through this Reddit thread, there's another link that he po- or that he goes to. That's another thread. Uh, where someone's taking a screenshot where it's just got this thing, it says tips for Exola. And again, that's something that without any additional 
corroboration could just be somebody who faked this image but there are people in the comments that are saying yeah i lost you know five dollars on this on a transaction once i lost this or yeah, that this is pretty much uh just public service uh, check your uh bank accounts and also don't just click through uh read the uh, transactions because some of these payment processors are rather scummy yeah and further digging that I'm doing right now through this Reddit thread, apparently uh, there were a bunch of complaints and the their like customer service Reddit account was responding and saying that tips are set to 0% by default and you can choose to give additional tips to Exola, but they're 0 by default. Maybe that's why we haven't seen any news coverage of this, like it got handled and Maybe. nobody else has made a made a... A fuss about it. Yeah, you have to raise a stink about these things. <laughs> yeah. I mean, just like a total biscuit. <laughs> yeah. Regardless, you know, PSA, hey, be careful. Check your purchases before you just buy stuff. Sometimes, you know, uh, this will happen. They'll include these fees or, or whatever. And, you know, just be careful. Don't spend money that that you don't have to. So moving swiftly along. Yeah, I think so. I think so. Okay, so uh, let's go to Germany. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Germany wants to license 24-hour Twitch streamers. Yeah, which there's uh, this is going to be a tough topic for us to talk about, mostly because a lot of the source material, as you may expect to be, is a German. <laughs> yeah, so according or Germany is now requiring... Twitch streamers that they have to have a, a broadcasting license, like someone on doing radio or TV broadcasting. Yeah, um, uh, yeah. The original uh, article about this uh, called it a radio license, which is a little bit of, of a misnomer. They uh, call it a broadcasting license. So the German authorities aren't that out of touch. <laughs> yeah, and uh, the thing is, this law that they're invoking is made for more broadcasters that are streaming online this was a supposedly a, t a decade old law that is catching a twitch streamer now because he beats the requirements that were set forth in that law which falls more under lawmakers not knowing what the hell they're uh legislating almost uh, especially yeah. if this is a decade old law or more than a yeah. decade old law yeah i mean live streaming didn't really exist a decade ago did it I don't think I mean, it did. YouTube was YouTube you, was growing at the time, but well, well, here's the thing: is that I think the uh, I would have to dig in the uh, comments some more, but uh, because that's where a lot of people are translating this stuff. Uh, the requirement is 500 uh, viewers, which is nothing for Twitch these days. <laughs> no, I mean, if you're a moderately popular Twitch streamer, you'll get that easy. That, I mean, and, even uh, I am able to regularly get, you know, five, six, seven viewers, and I'm a nobody. Uh, you're somebody to me. Oh, I love you, too. Mostly, you're the editor-in-chief, so I don't have to do it. <laughs> Fair enough. <laughs> uh, but also, it, having a schedule is another thing, uh, supposedly a uh, uh, a requirement, and also... 
the big thing that triggered for this guy was even though it also hit a second account, which does, which didn't uh, broadcast twenty four seven, was the twenty four hour uh, rotating schedule essentially. But here's the thing: is that Twitch has the ability to run playlists that is on some accounts, uh, more popular accounts. I know Dallas Valdez has it where if he's not actively streaming, he's running a playlist. And if he was in Germany, he would easily fall under this as well. Yeah, if you've got 24-hour programming, or 24-hour content, that would count as programming. So, I mean, I think that they're dumb and they need to... Uh, and this their legislation needs is, to catch up, but I can see where they're coming from. Yeah, I could understand where this is coming from, but the thing is that it's a it's a bad law if it has such a low setting on it. But then again, this was made a lot for a, a completely different internet. I mean, let's be perfectly honest. Yeah. And the thing is that in order to comply for this, you have to uh, pay for the license, which, if according to the Reddit thread, which is where the, a lot of this is getting translated, because let's be perfectly honest, there's not a lot of people covering this. And this, once again, could be all bullshit to begin with. So, once again, trust but verify. We're having a lot of that this week, unfortunately. Yeah. Uh, the price for this is somewhere in the ballpark. Well, uh, it's about the same uh, euro to dollar, close enough at least. A thousand to ten thousand uh, dollars or euros, which is quite the bite for a Twitch streamer. Yeah, I mean, for a very popular one, they could swing it, just run a donation drive, really. But yeah, that's a lot. And also, the requirement, uh, supposedly, once again, according to some of the Reddit comments that's been translating this, requires a business plan, and you also have to comply with the watershed. Per, uh, Possibly. Oh, that would suck. Yeah, essentially, um, uh, the watershed is family-friendly programming up to a certain hour. I think it's 10 o'clock. It varies by country. And, yeah. And sometimes yeah, yeah, by th- regions within countries. Yeah, I think it's 10 o'clock for Germany, if I recall the comments correctly. I could be completely wrong on that. And um, I know we have <laughs> some uh, listeners that could uh, correct that if uh, need be. Uh, but... Can you imagine, yeah, you know, getting dinged because you're playing The Witcher on Twitch? Oh gosh, no, that would be terrible. So, doing some like five minutes of Google searching, uh, it looks like Justin TV launched in 2007. So, streaming was in its infancy in 2007. Yeah, and I think the law was originally made in 2005. I was just using a decade as a nice round number. Okay. Well, uh, 2007 was a decade ago. Yeah, Fuck, I'm old. Yep. I was still in high school in 2000. You're not helping. <laughs> You're not helping one bit. Stop that. Uh, I have a three-year-old kid. That makes me feel old every day. I had that realization on Saturday. <laughs> it's like, God, three years ago that that this creature entered the world. And I've been caring for it for all this time. An old and, man. It's st- and it still hasn't stopped pooping. Yeah, it's st- it's still alive. I haven't killed it yet, so I'm doing good. I'm doing good at fathering. So, well, he hasn't. Uh, uh, he's not old enough to complain yet. Well, complain much. 
That's not true. He complains all the time. <laughs> he used to just complain by crying, but now, you know, for like the last year, he's had words, and he complains with those a lot. Also, he is your son. He's starting to argue as well. <laughs> Definitely your son. I said yes. I said yes. I don't care that you said yes. I'm your father. I said no. You can't watch any more TV. I said no. I don't care that you said no. I'm your father. You need to eat some food that's not covered in cheese. Although when it gets to that point, the battle's already lost. Desperation. Is <laughs> that's when you uh, prowse mouth open with a uh, with a screwdriver. That doesn't work. I've I've. I've tried to to force feed him before. It doesn't work. Does that make me a bad parent? (laughs) (laughs) I think that makes you a normal parent. Yeah. I'm a therapist. I should know better. But damn it, when they push all your buttons, it's just like, you just ate that food yesterday. You don't hate it. You've been eating it for months. I want chicken nuggets. Kids are real dumb, (laughs) y'all. I wish he would eat chicken nuggets. Most normal kids eat chicken nuggets. My kid avoids them like the plague, except every once in a while he'll eat some chicken nuggets. Have you tried chicken fingers? Yes, doesn't help. He likes fish sticks, so that's good. But, yeah, my kid's not normal. He doesn't like chicken nuggets. He, he, well, I mean, he likes french fries, but he doesn't like plain spaghetti. Most kids like plain spaghetti. He doesn't like that. He likes to eat vegetables sometimes. Oh, he's definitely your son. He's really weird. He eats fruit all the time. Oh, that's pretty normal. Everything he eats has to be, like, almost everything he eats has to be made of or covered in cheese. Cheetos? Well, great. To, well, to be fair, you are cheesy. Ah. Uh, yeah, his, like, favorite food group is Cheetos. Because it's, they're cheesy, and they're crunchy, and they're salty. <laughs> he loves them. But I, this isn't – welcome to the, the kid portion of the podcast. All you parents out there know what I'm talking about. Uh, is that all we have to say, though, about – What were we talking about, about at this Twitch? point? <laughs> <laughs> we were talking about the Twitch German thing. Uh, we The last semi-on-topic thing mentioned was I said that uh, Twitch TV – or Justin TV launched in 2007 – I just hope that the uh, United States government doesn't look at this thing. Hey! (laughs) (laughs) Oh, God. You know, I maybe if we had a more competent government, but Trump is so bad at his job and knows so little about the internet and the world that he Nobody knew that the internet could be this complicated. Yeah. that's, That's what happened to Gearbox. Nobody knew that the internet could be this complicated. (laughs) Also, Trump doesn't like Germany, so anything that they do, he wouldn't want to do because he's, you know, a three-year-old. It's like, oh, if you're doing this, I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to do it just because you do it. Yeah, I bet your kid would love Trump. I mean, he's orange, he's cheesy. Oh, God. Can we feed Trump to my kid? Is that how we get him out of office? <laughs> oh, we've gone completely uh, off the rails. We have. We have. Let's get back <laughs> on the rails. Uh, Our next news topic. I, I, I do hope that this does get sorted out, but the, it seems like the... De- 
that the streamer uh, decided to comply. So that kind of sets a precedent. Well, uh, I mean, he granted, is German. I, uh, we're going to get. Well, I would say we would. I, I said we would get somebody uh, uh, tweets and uh, emails about that, but would we? <laughs> we don't get that many <laughs> stereotypes and racism. Do 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 do. You can write your angry letters to bglpodcast at gmail dot com. Include Jared, your dumbass, as the subject line. I'll know you're talking to me. <laughs> oh. All right, let's bring this crazy train back on the rails. Let's go talk about our next news topic, All which aboard. is Microsoft is to offer refunds on the Xbox and Windows 10 store. Yeah, this is late breaking for, as we're recording. We wouldn't have had this if uh, we didn't have that delay. This is a pretty much a copy and pasted from Steam, their <laughs> entire <laughs> thing, uh, verbatim almost. Yeah. Yeah, and I mean it's the same rules. No questions asked. Refunds if it's within fourteen days and less yeah, than and two this hours is, of playtime. Uh, self-service. This is uh, 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 the consumer essentially filling out a form. Uh, yeah. and I think that they could uh, put an intern on the Windows Ten Store version of this and uh, be able to cover the, the all the three, maybe four people that's on that service. Yeah, one in, one intern could do it. <laughs> One intern would be bored to death doing that. <laughs> I wouldn't mind having that job. Just no. sit around and browse Reddit all day. No, 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 no. Then you would be forced to interact with the Windows 10 store. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I guess we're saying intern, but if I got paid, I'd do it. I'd do just about anything for money. Oh, my. Wink. But this is another one of those topics that's more of just like a, hey, here's the thing. Yeah, we don't uh, have a I mean, it's good. I think yeah, it, that, it's hard that, to really uh, fault them for it. I will say that I still think that the uh, Steam uh, uh, guidelines are a bit uh, low, but that's particularly because it's just a blanket thing. It's not, yeah. Well, RPGs, there's, there's no way that you would get through uh, to where, uh, you know, you would actually get to even close to the meat of an RPG for, in two hours, but at the same time, you have these little indie titles that, you know, two hours, well, that's the entire game. Yeah. I, 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 I just had a thought. I wonder what the uh, refund uh, ratio is for Domina. It has to be high. <laughs> is there a way to check that? Uh, no, any there the... isn't. The, oh, okay. I, the only way that you could really check it is to see uh, the number of uh, users go down on or the number of owners go down on steam spa and that's really only uh feasible whenever there's something like a blanket uh, refund policy like uh, arkham knight had yeah or no man's sky <laughs> hey no man's sky uh, said uh, no to that and that's the only reason why you still own that piece of shit <laughs> yep <Right? laughs> yep sometime i may be able to refund it Let's see. I, I guess just not enough time has passed because the I, I just want to go check Steam Spy just for the hell of it, but not the game hasn't been on sale long enough to have enough data. Yeah, the, uh, it's uh, very hard to say anything really negative about this outside of you know just the uh, the guidelines seem a little low for a more blanket thing. 
Uh, and oh, this also uh, DLC season passes and add-ons and certain uh, apps from the Windows 10 store will not be eligible for refunds as well. Uh, players will have to wait uh, at least a day for after the games or apps release before putting in a request. Well, that, that seems a little strange. Maybe it's just uh, a, a thing uh, on the back end to add, be added to the system. That, that's probably the only thing that's really of doubt here. Is the, yeah, probably. The, the, the delay. Also, the fact that they call it apps because that absolutely drives me fucking crazy. But, uh, before we recorded, uh, I went downstairs to get some coffee. I came back and uh, Windows was wanting to restart to uh, apply an update. And it was talking about, your device needs to reset. It's not a device, it's a goddamn computer. I'm not running a damn Windows phone here. Yeah, I got really, I got a, my, my laptop updated today, and I got upset about that, because it was like, your device needs to, re- needs to restart. And I'm like, I mean, technically they're correct, a- but it's, yeah, it's the terminology of the thing. Yeah, although for, for Xbox, it makes sense, because, I mean, the Xbox does have apps on it. Well, technically Windows uh, 10 does as well. Well, they call all of their programs apps, but they're fucking dumb. <laughs> But I mean, an X, you know, the the console I think fits that more. So I'm not, I don't have a problem with them saying. Apps welcome for... to the, welcome to the Windows bashing portion of the podcast. Yep. Actually, <laughs> I haven't any, had any problems with Windows 10 in a little while. I'm I'm trying to figure out what it's plotting to do next. But <laughs> no, no. See, I tipped you off uh, whenever I told you it was uh, going to reset. <laughs> yeah, I went and I checked my desktop, and it was like, "You have an update," and I was like, "I'm just going to update it now." Before we start recording, hey, I'm glad mine decided to do that. At, uh, you know, an hour beforehand. Yeah, because like I said, I came back and it was uh, at like two minutes before scheduled restarts. Like, oh boy, Jared's gonna have a field day. <laughs> better warn him. <clears throat> hey, you better be thankful. I didn't think it was would be funnier if I didn't tell you. Yeah, that would have been mad. All right, well, moving on from that, let's uh, discuss our final news topic, which in my mind is misleading, but this is the title, so we're going to go with it. Uh, Fallout 4 VR will be the Mario and Sonic the Hedgehog of virtual reality. Well, this is uh, AMD's uh, vice president, Roy Taylor, which uh, sounds like about the most degenerate name uh, next to Smith, doesn't it? (laughs) Yeah. Uh, he's uh, talking about how uh, the upcoming uh, Fallout 4 VR title, uh, which is essentially a complete port of uh, Fallout 4 from what I can understand, because trying to get Fallout 4 to run above 60 FPS causes some, causes some weird things to happen, supposedly. <laughs> yeah, it's not quite got f- physics. It's physics bound to the frame rate. I don't understand, but when as your frame rate continues to get higher and higher, the physics freak out. So... In some way, the physics are bound to the frame it. rate, but... I could explain it. What? Bethesda game. Yeah. There's not really a problem until you get up to around 120 FPS. 100 to 120 FPS is when you start to have a problem. Yeah, the more interesting topic here is how AMD is trying to use a chip manufacturer to have wireless VR, because that's been the real... well. One of the problems of VR, the other problem is the fact that there hasn't really been a system seller yet. Jim, Jim, calm down. We know the Star Trek title. We know, we know. We know. Actually, I'm really excited for Star Trek Bridge Crew. I have yeah. to say. 
it looks interesting. The thing is that the the problem is the entry price for that because it's yeah. everyone has to have their VR headset. Yes, I realize it's not everyone has to be all together because it has the internet connection, but still, that's still a hell of an investment to get a, a crew together. Yeah. But anyways, so what they're doing is they're they're uh, working on putting together uh, wireless a wireless VR headset that supposedly will work because uh, that's other than you know the games and the entry point and all of that. You've got like a million what feels like a million billion cables strapped to you when you've got your VR headset on because there's just so much data that has to be transmitted back and forth. Uh, yeah, it's, and uh, so basically, uh, essentially, you're two, two heads or two uh, monitors strapped to your head. Uh, all the uh, data from your positioning and uh, orientation. And then you have uh, game controllers on top of all of that. There's a lot of stuff going on. Yeah, and I mean, there have been people who put together like the backpack system that has yeah, all the, of it in yeah, there. Yeah, the so one that looks like the Ninja or... Turtle. Yeah, and then it seen... was just hilarious. Uh, that was Razor, wasn't it? Uh, there, there's been a few of them. The the more sleek one, I think, is a Razer one. Then there's one that has that. that I do think it's kind of neat how they did the battery system. Where, uh, assuming that you have someone around you <laughs> at this point <laughs> uh, to uh, swap them out, you could uh, swap out the batteries independently. They're uh, uh, hooked up in parallel, and one battery could run the system uh, by itself. So you could swap out the batteries, uh, put them on charge. And not have the system power down, which was uh, a neat uh, way to handle things. Because, yeah, battery life on these backpacks is not all that great. Granted, there no. hasn't been, really been a VR title that supports long play yet. Yeah. I've seen another system, too, uh, on a YouTuber. I can't – I might – if I can be bothered, I'll look up the channel and find it. But he rigged up um, essentially like a, a big boom arm on his ceiling. Uh, and all of the cabling went up to that. So even though there were still cables, they weren't underneath you, so you could walk around pretty freely. Sort of like a and, car wash. Uh, yeah. Working at the car wash. Oh, oh God. Sorry. So, I mean, I, I think that's pretty cool. I think that having wireless VR is going to be one of the big hurdles to making it more practical uh, for things like room scale. It doesn't really matter if you're just going to sit in your chair and play uh, yeah, I, a seated experience. But well, well, let's get back to the uh, topic at hand. Uh, what do you think? Uh, do you think Fallout Four is going to be the system seller? No, <laughs> I don't. I mean, I love Fallout Four, and I like the idea of those games eventually coming to VR, and I think they will. But the big problem, I think, is that it one Fallout Four is incredibly poorly optimized, and it struggles to run properly on a lot of systems then and sure you have to have a super high powered system to run a VR headset anyways but I feel like it would make it even more like you'd have to have even more horsepower to run it and two I think people no one has yet figured out how to make a game like Fallout 4 work without people getting incredibly nauseous I mean you could do the whole teleporting thing which but works for a lot emotion. of games but that breaks Fallout 4 that's not you know you don't just teleport around everywhere so at least with that if attitude if they're going for the whole yeah it's fallout in vr then you have to be able to run around and aim your weapon and everything like that and all of that movement makes people sick so i mean it's ambitious and i hope it does well but i don't think it's going to be the mario or sonic of vr 
honestly, I don't think any ported title can be. I think it's going to have to be a title built from the ground up for VR in order to get that level of recognition. Well, supposedly, and- uh, granted, I don't have first-hand experience with this, and this is far out of my expertise because it's a horror game, but supposedly the uh, Resident Evil 7's VR uh, does is pretty well. But that's mostly because they build it around having this focus point. Because one of the ways that uh, you could do uh, fast motion, or well, really any motion, I should say, in VR, is to essentially have a tunnel effect where you don't have much of your peripheral vision, so it's limiting the amount of uh, really nausea that's uh, generated. Yeah. And Resident Evil is able to do this with a flashlight. So it, you have this uh, bright spotlight that you have, well, your flashlight, and uh, your peripheral vision is uh, darkened, and it supposedly cuts down the nausea quite a bit. And um, that hasn't been a system seller. That hasn't. Uh, I think that's only Sony VR right now. I may be mistaken on that. Uh, I think there's... I think you can play it in VR on other... I, I, well, like I said, this is, this is far out of my expertise because I'll be perfectly honest. I don't give a damn about the Resident Evil series. Yeah, I don't really at this point anymore either. The only thing I care about from Resident Evil are those really awful B movies that they that they're still making. <laughs> but that's just because they're so much fun to like go watch and kind of make fun of. So I uh, I quit really caring about the Resident Evil series after Resident Evil Five. Uh, well, to be perfectly honest, I never cared about it to begin with. But it, I'm yeah, pl- trying to give an example of you know, a major game that I, I'm not sure if it was built from the ground up or if it uh, has it where it just happens to work well with VR. But I haven't heard about it being a huge system seller. But then again, I haven't followed VR all that closely. I mean, Resident Evil 7 did incredibly well, but I don't know about, about how the well VR. it's doing on the VR side. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I've heard good things about it, but, you know, then again, it's from, like, critics and things, which is, is nice, but that's not a, a representation of Yeah, that's not how a sale. Many people, I mean, I mean yeah. look how look just how many games we've had that have uh, been critically received really well, and then uh, just tank uh, sale-wise, or vice versa. That, yeah, the fact that it's being praised means jack shit in the end. All, yeah. All, all it really matters is the sales. Yep. Okie dokie. Well, uh, do you have more uh, to I, add, or are you I ready to think, move on? I think that's about it. Okie dokie. Well, now is the time for the, uh, <laughs> the elevator ride. I'm out of water and coffee, so we'll be right back. Yeah, I'm about out of water as well, so... Uh, Please enjoy down. a message from our sponsors. <laughs> Wait, we have sponsors? No, we don't. Yet. Yeah, Yet. Well, One day we'll, we'll be total well, sellouts. Well, well, we can't say we don't have sponsors because we have something to talk about in the community corner up next. And we are back from our trip uh, downstairs to get some snacks and bevs. Yeah, I went to the cafeteria. Yep, went to the cafeteria, went to the the lavatory, and now we're back. And we're here for our community corner. Yeah, but first, and... we, well, well, before we ha- do the Fonzie, I guess we should uh, uh, thank our new patron. 
Yeah, yeah, that was the little bit of news that you teased before the the elevator music. Granted, yeah, it's not much of a tease. It's just you know a few seconds. <laughs> and yeah, uh, but we had a new pledge. Uh, a big uh, thank you to well Matt, because that's uh, all, the only name that we have for that. Yep. But Matt, whoever you are out there, thank you very much. And after this episode, we're sorry. <laughs> <laughs> this one's for you, Matt. It's all for uh, you. Yeah, a complete trade wreck of an episode. <laughs> nah, it's good. It's fun. We haven't had like a really fun twist, twisty tur- uh, where, where turkey I, one in a while. Where I get uh, uh, angry for a long period of time. <laughs> yeah. Because, uh, yeah, admit it, you, were, you love it when I get the angry pants on. I do. I like your angry pants. Yeah, they're quite fashionable on me. They they make your butt look good. Oh my! Oh yeah. Um, but yes, once again, thank you, Matt, for loving us and supporting us. We appreciate it. And we're uh, sorry for this episode. <laughs> I'm not sorry. You're never sorry. That's the thing. <laughs> you are yep. unapologetic. Nope, I have no shame. Well, we All covered right. that, but uh, that's completely opposite of the episode. <laughs> That, that, well, that's uh, inconsequential. That could be the title of the episode. I have no shame. Or men's thong. Men's thongs. Actually, I was thinking something along the lines of kiss and break up uh, with oh, the whole a, gearbox thing. That's a good one. Kiss and break up. But, uh, okay. Let's uh, let's go to our Fonzie now. Hey! Hey! Here's <laughs> Kyle with his Fonzie discussion. Greetings, Jay Arthur and Caffeine Rage. This is Kyle coming at you with more shit that makes no sense when you think about it. So today's topic is what I'm going to colloquially call the Death Star problem, but it's really more of a sci-fi games and movies scaling problem in general. So where this gets its name is a problem I've always had with the Star Wars franchise, and that is in Episode 4 when Han and Chewie and Obi-Wan and Luke get tractor beamed into the Death Star, and they manage to overpower the guards, and then basically Obi-Wan goes off and does his own thing and shuts down the shield in a non-obvious way so that the trench run can happen at the end of the movie. Spoilers. And then Han and Luke and Chewie go to rescue Princess Leia, and they go down a trash compactor, and then magically end up back at the hangar and get on the ship just in time to watch Obi-Wan die. Now the reason I have a huge problem with this is because the Death Star is just massive. So you can look this up for yourself, but the Quadanian steel exterior of the Death Star is roughly the same square area as the state of New Jersey, which means that the interior gets more space as you go more and more layers in, kind of like an onion. Now, basically why I have a problem with this is because the secret shield shutoff area is basically right next to the hangar, which is basically right next to the prisoner area, which is also weirdly basically right next to where the emergency access for the trash compactor is. I don't know, it seems like a huge coincidence because the Death Star is, well, too big to support the movie plot points that it needs to, but this is a trend that I've noticed in several different video games as well, primarily Sins of a Solar Empire. So in Sins of a Solar Empire Rebellion, one of the new additions are these massive capital ships called Titans, 
and they're really big and they're cool and I was like oh that's so cool you have to do a bunch of research and then there's a whole bunch of other stuff and you basically need to dedicate a planet to making these things and then basically I just didn't think about it for a long time until I pulled up to help Melanie in a fight that she was having and my ship was roughly the same size as that planet and I'm thinking how big is this ship? So I went and I took a look at the planet and figured out it was roughly the size of our moon. Holy shit, that is a big ship. Now the Titan I'm referring to is the TEC Loyalist Titan called the Ancleon Titan. Now to put some perspective on this, the Death Star, which mind you has a surface area about the size of New Jersey, is roughly 21 times smaller than this ship, which is where my problems with it start. See, this ship is so big that I'm not even sure how you would resupply it. It's so big that you actually would probably need to take another spaceship to get from one end of it to another in a timely fashion. It's so big that it probably has its own gravity well. But again, it's one of those things that you don't quite realize how much of a problem this is until you compare it to something in the real world. So the closest analog we have here on Earth would be something like a 688-class attack submarine, which takes, let's call it a month, to resupply with fuel, with food, with fresh, you know, like, filters, and other interstitials that make life at sea, well, possible. Now that thing has a volume of roughly 79,218 cubic feet. Now, if we take that month to that cubic foot ratio and scale it up to the Ancleon Titan, holy crap! It would take roughly 813 trillion years to fill this thing with today's technology, not to mention, you know, building it. But okay, let's assume that in the future they're much more quick at, you know, resupplying something. So let's go ahead and divide that by 100. You're still looking at 8 trillion years to basically completely fill this thing. So that leaves two real possibilities. Either, number one, they filled this thing exactly once, and it's basically good to go until the end of the universe, or the end of your empire, depending on which happens first. Sins of a Solar Empire is a pretty unforgiving RTS if the computer decides it wants to gang up on you. Or, it actually has all of the things on board that it needs in order to continue having food, oxygen, a fuel supply, that sort of thing. Honestly, both of those strike me as completely plausible, but the sheer scale of this ship means, like, well, I don't know, I don't think we would not build it, but at the same time, who needs a warship this big? See, I totally get why game designers do this and why movie writers do this. They want a really big and impressive set piece for either the hero to overcome or to be on your side. But once you start thinking about the actual logistics of this thing existing, even in-universe, the whole idea of it kind of starts falling apart, basically at the first hurdle of how would you even fund this thing, how would you keep it supplied, how many men are on there, what about their families, this is a long deployment, I don't know. Are there things in games that you play that are basically, like, way too big that once you start thinking about them, they kind of fall apart? Eh, discuss. This is the kind of shit that makes no sense when you think about it. And we're back. Thank you, Kyle, very much for another interesting uh, segment there. Um, what is it? Shit that doesn't make sense when you think about it? Yeah. So yeah, how do I we want to it... approach this? Because I actually uh, sat down and thought about this for a while and have rebuttal once again. Okay. Uh, do you want to talk about the Death Star specifically first, and then? Well, I, I was the... go- well, I was more picking apart uh, the Titans, okay, uh, specifically because I I went looking to just see how big these things are because yeah, 
And a lot of people seem to agree with what I was thinking about. That it's essentially a miniatures game where it's... Think of it as putting miniatures on a battlefield and pushing them around. Things are not to scale. People are wanting to say that these things are several kilometers long, not, you know, uh, several uh, times the size of the moon. (laughs) Or a good portion of the moon. Which, several kilometers long is still pretty big, but not unmanageable. Well, well, here's where things get a lot more manageable, because some people started talking about crew sizes. The crew size of the Titans is in the ballpark... Well, it depends on the Titan, of course. Uh, um, Once again, this... I could be uh, talking complete bullshit. What, wait, wait. What am I mean? Could be. I am talking complete bullshit. But <laughs> you could be talking total bollocks right now. But you also might be might know what you're talking about, which would be a first. But people were talking about the crew sizes of these things being in the approximately five thousand person range. That's not bad. That's well, pretty to g- close to a modern aircraft carrier. Well, to give you a perspective. A uh, World War II battleships, uh, Iowa class, for example, was a little under half that. And modern uh, aircraft carriers, as you said, are a pretty good portion of that. And modern aircraft carriers are constantly resupplied via a series of transport ships. I mean, this would be like our fallout problem lost on scale because. There's only so much that you can render in these games. Yeah, aircraft carriers, modern aircraft carriers, at least the the United States aircraft carriers, have a support fleet that follows them around everywhere, which is fuel and ammunition and then some defensive vessels in case they get, you know, attacked by other naval ships that somehow manage to sneak by or whatever. Wait, there's other but, navies? I mean, yes, a few other countries have navies. Uh, uh, the uh, the to... Spanish Armada with the crescent formation coming in, just sailing in. Yeah. Uh, they hadn't teched up enough. <laughs> um, and Japan is just now discovering the internet. It's like, oh shit, we are completely backwards. <laughs> yeah, the, so the Nimitz class aircraft carrier, which is the United States' modern carrier, uh, has a crew complement of 3,200. Well, I just went to battleships because it's the uh, a, a nice analog. And also, it <laughs> I'm arguing crew sizes about two types of ships that really, when you think about it, don't make a lot of logistical sense. Yes, I do agree that these large ships don't make a lot of sense, because, you know, battleships are obsolete these days. Yeah. Actually, I lied. The crew complement's over 5,000. It breaks it down into various types, and I just read the ship's company, which are, like, the people who run the boat. Uh, it doesn't include the all the personnel that manage the aircraft and such. Yeah, that's also Excuse another me. reason why I went with Battleship was it's a nice, uh, easy-to-find number. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so, yeah, there you go. And that really comes down, well, on the South High portion of things, a lot of automation. I imagine a lot of this would be, you know, just uh, the ship maintaining itself for a lot of it. And it's all engineers, or a good portion of it. Yeah. Especially I mean, uh, some of the Titans that are essentially supposedly just giant rail guns. Yeah. You, know, you, know, you don't have you know all the load all the gun loaders. You'll have you know uh, a couple people managing the 
the essentially the magazine uh, to uh, load in the next round, but you, know, you wouldn't have the powder guys. You wouldn't have the Packers. Packers, woo! <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and I mean that's how most sci-fi things get away with it. Although, I mean, it, uh, automation is you know prevalent in modern military hardware as well. But like it would be said, a you know. lot more uh, used in a sci-fi area because you know you don't need nearly as many people you just need the tech guys and a few people to do the grunt work yeah the titans and eve online uh and also have well, the, in, large amounts of automation too like these ships that are two three four kilometers long only having a crew complement of a thousand or so and you can also solve another problem with the word droid granted i'm not yeah. sure if it uh works in sense of a solar empire or not but yeah, that's how Star Wars, I imagine, gets away with a lot of the stuff it does. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, in the Clone Wars uh, TV series, uh, the um, the Separatist fleet is all run by droids. So, I mean, they do have ships that could take on personnel, but they're almost entirely run by droids. So, one, you feel the crew complement that way, and that cuts down on your actual personnel. And two, that cuts down on your actual supplies, because the less mouths you have to feed, the less food and stuff you have to load so supplies uh so yeah i think that that would would help immensely i mean i couldn't imagine that you know in any sci-fi world that there wouldn't be some sort of drones or massive automation because in order to get there i mean the technology would have to be there and you know speaking it i want to go back to your first example kyle which was the death star uh, the Death Star, Star utilizes a ton of automation as well. You can go, you know, look it up and read about the canon and the Legends versions of. Oh of boy, it. But here I mean, we go. The Death Star is essentially uh, only manned on the outermost layer of it, and on the inside, aside from the occasional security patrol that has to go check something out, it's either completely empty or everything is run by droids. And isn't the Death Star essentially also a giant uh, transport? Yeah. Yeah, the crew complement on the Death Star is enormous. Uh, but it's, uh, I, well, outside of the Super Laser, a, a huge uh, troop transporter. Pretty much, yeah. And a ship transporter, like it's got massive hangar bays. In the Legend stuff as well, uh, the Death Star had uh, at least one, it might have been two space stations that orbited it. Um and that they pulled inside to for hyperspace travel, but those were basically constant, like twenty four seven supply docks. That's all they were used for. Essentially, like farms or something for food. Yeah. Plus, also in the Star Wars universe, in uh, in the sort of extended universe, I don't, Kyle, I don't know how many of you know the books and things you've read, but uh, it, one of the more recent books, uh, the Ahsoka novel, she winds up on a planet where that they're that exclusively grows crops for the Imperial Space Forces and their specially genetically modified crops to be more nutritious and things so that they don't have to ship as many supplies on, like, Star Destroyers and the Death Star and things like that. So I think that that's one of the things that would solve your supply problem as well in any sci-fi universe is I also I would imagine... I mean, this is, you know, speculation and discussion, but this is where you want us to go. I would imagine that any civilization that has advanced enough technology to build a ship as large as, you know, a moon or, you know, at least dozens of kilometers or more in, in length, that they would also be able to have 
uh, especially gene- genetically modified crops and automation and robotics and you know so on and so forth to support it. Uh, I or mean, we could just would... say uh, use the Star Trek version of this replicators. Right? Yeah, replicators. I mean, I mean granted, I, yeah, replicators <laughs> are, are kind of cheating because then it comes down to an energy problem instead of a logistics problem. But still. Well, I mean, there are actually, like, food printers, like, 3D printers for food. And there, there's th- uh, food printers in real life. Yeah, that's that's what I'm saying. Like, those exist, and so you could have those dispersed on one of yeah, these but vessels. The, yeah, and but let's be perfectly honest. Nutrition. Would you download a pizza? I would give it a shot, at least. <laughs> uh, but, you know, you could do that and just have these dispersion methods, and it's like... I mean, you don't have to give too many choices. It is like a military vessel, but you know, you could be like, "Hey, get the the burger or get the the pizza," and then you know, the the little food replicator prints you a, a hot pizza or something like that. So, uh, other sci-fi. Uh, yeah, but series. you better hope that that thing isn't uh, malfunctioning. Otherwise, the pizza is ketchup. <laughs> <laughs> uh, another sci-fi series uh, of books that I've read: uh, the Ark Royal series. The uh, the ships in in that have um, botanical gardens and things like that to grow supplies aboard the ship, uh, as well as I forget what it's called. I forget specifically what they call it, but it's like a an organic recycler that you can just dump organic material into it, and it breaks it down into its component parts, and then they have those you know food three D printers like I was talking about, and you just get like basic rations out of it. It doesn't have like fancy stuff. But, you know, if your main, if your nice food runs out, you just recycle stuff on the You just on the poop ship. In, the, uh, in the printer and, uh, you know, uh, print out a hot dog out of it. Yeah. Yeah, actually, in one of the, in one of the books in the Ark World series, um, they wind up stranded and they run into the supply problem and they're like, I mean, it, is it cannibalism if we throw bodies in there, like the dead bodies and it breaks them down and makes them into food? Like, they have this really interesting moral discussion about, like, is it cannibalism or not? Because it's not like we're eating their flesh. They're getting broken down in their organic components, and we reproduced as rations. But really interesting stuff in the Ark World series. I highly recommend it to anyone who likes sci-fi novels. Because it, it takes a really realistic approach to space combat and actually takes orbits and things into account and travel times and all kinds of stuff. It's not like, oh, let's go over here. So... This guy, it's kind like, of the reason why I like uh, Planetus uh, for my hard sci-fi anime. It's uh, about space garbage men <laughs> cleaning up space junk, essentially. Yeah. So, Ark Royal. Good, good series. Read it. Oh, and the guy who narrates it, if you get the audiobook, he's British. So that's wonderful. So that means he's evil, right? <laughs> yeah. Actually, okay. they're all British in the book because in I just I have to talk about Arc World for a minute. Um, so in the future, instead of the Earth kind of uniting into one government, uh, instead old, old governments and things like that actually all get space travel. So you've got the United States Space Navy and the British Space Navy and the Russian Space Navy and and etc. And uh, things happen, but the the Arc Royal is a, a British ship. So the the entire crew and everything are they're all British. It's, it's got some really interesting takes on on a future where we don't unite into a single world government yet still are able to reach the stars. 
it's got some good stuff. There's some some dystopia in it, as well as a lot of realism. Uh, there's also some optimistic stuff as well. It, it hits a lot of different genres. Good book. And they definitely get better as they go on. The Ark World series was one of this author's first outings uh, in, in writing. Uh, and, and the series gets much better as it goes on. The first book is, eh, And the second book is like, wow, this is a huge step up. The third book gets even better. Okay, that's that's enough of the, the book portion <laughs> of the podcast. This is your fault, Kyle. You started this. So, yeah, I mean, I do see where you're coming from, Kyle, if you don't have, you know, some sort of, of technology to help or yeah, um, but, if uh, things also, just get out of control. Well, also, he's uh, thinking that these Titans are the size of moons. Yeah. Or a, I good, mean, a portion. I mean, but granted, you still have the Death Star problem, which, uh, well, we didn't really talk about how, you know, everything happens to have happen in this one little point on the Death Star as well and that starts to get into the whole how movies and games are narrated you know it, it's kind of boring to talk about okay well then the heroes spent the next four days getting across the Death Star yeah well no that yeah. could be interesting if uh, told right but still maybe but that wouldn't happen anyways because they at least for the first portion, because the Death Star had uh, turbo lifts that went horizontal, horizontally as well as vertically, and it had a, a shuttle system in it for fast transit, like a, or more like a, a little subway system, I guess is a better way to say it, a, a tram. Mm-hmm. So when they were blending in, they could have used those various things to get around a lot quicker. But on the way back, when their cover's blown, yeah, that would have probably taken longer. I mean, I mean, it's one of those things. It's like. You know, you have to have good pacing, and it's poor pacing to spend, you know, 10 minutes kind of making it clear, like, yes, it took us four hours to get across the station to this one point. Uh, Suddenly, Han Solo has a five o'clock shadow. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. And the Death Star 2 was so massive, like, uh, there's, in in a couple of the novels, novelizations of uh, A New Hope, um... It makes mention of, of stormtroopers being on the other side of the Death Star where the rebels weren't attacking, just hanging out in the bars. Like, oh, this is no big deal. Like, it's fine. We couldn't even get over there to help anyways. They'll have it taken care of before. <laughs> you know, Boy, were they mistaken. Yeah. So, I mean, like, on response times and stuff, really only the local forces would be able to respond in a timely manner. Because you got to think, like, well, cops take, you know, if they've got to come from you know, the other side of a city or a town or whatever, it takes them time to get there. Now, just imagine that they've got to go 40 uh, miles we, to get around the other side. Are we including the time it takes them to put down the donut? <laughs> or is that just by a local police force? The the best cops never put down their donuts. Mm, true. So, there you go, Kyle. Thanks for a, an interesting discussion topic. I, I enjoy these. Kyle's Corner, everybody. That's that's what I put it call it in the show notes. Kyle's Corner. Uh, Kyle's thought box. Oh, is it Kyle's thought box? Kyle's corner is way better. Are we I'm gonna change uh, it right now? I'm gonna do it with a K. Kyle's corner. I was going about to say with a K. Yeah. Are we gonna? Uh, are we gonna change Kyle's name to with the C? <laughs> <laughs> nah. KK. We need one more K. Kyle's corner. Kyle's cool corner. Kyle's yeah. KKK. There you go. <laughs> and suddenly we have all the Republicans following us, and I don't know why. Racism. 
<laughs> I'm being racist tonight, guys. I'm so sorry. No, you're not. You're right. I'm not. Is that rain? I just randomly started raining outside. Oh, well, it sounds like someone's displeased with you. Yeah, looks like God's about to smite me. Oh, okay, well, that's okay. a smiting. Let's uh, let's do the rest of Community Corner. What's next? <laughs> question of the week. Okay, question of the week. I- I'm not sure if I've done this one before it, because I don't keep track of these, but uh, nobody complained, so why the hell not? What is your favorite video game movie? We had Uwan, uh, which is a new person for us, I think. Uh, the Assassin's Creed movies was uh, surprisingly watchable. My son says any Lego movie. Oh, the, oh, he's six. Is it, is the Lego movie cheating? <laughs> Maybe a little bit. It's all right, though. I, I, I didn't watch the Assassin's Creed movie. I, I, Assassin's Creed is also a series. That I just I, I played the first one and was utterly bored. And just never bothered with any of the other ones. Well, I tried the the one I got for free, and it just uh, ran poorly on my system because uh, Ubisoft can't optimize a game to save their life. Yeah, and their latest ones uh, run poorly on everyone's systems. <laughs> yeah, I I haven't seen the Assassin's Creed movie, but I have heard nothing but bad things. So now yeah, I'll watch. Well, well it he at said some surprisingly point. watchable. So yeah, I guess that doesn't mean good, just watchable. Yeah. Uh, surprisingly. Kyle, Street Fighter. Drag Claude Van Damme is the best uh, bison ever put to screen. Of course! <laughs> <laughs> Jim, uh, Final Fantasy VII, Avid Children. Though the uh, upcoming Tomb Raider movie also looks promising. Final I didn't Fantasy- know there was an, a new Tomb Raider movie. I didn't either, but uh, Avid Children is also a really good movie. Uh, uh, it's probably well um, one of the better uh, video game movies that I could think of just offhand and one that uh, that I think a lot of people forget about because of the first Final Fantasy movie <laughs> which was Final Fantasy in name only really yeah don't get me wrong I, the first Final Fantasy movie wasn't terrible it's just it wasn't a Final Fantasy movie if they named that movie anything else, so people had different expectations going uh, into it, I think we would still have Squaresoft instead of Square Enix, and uh, which has unreasonably high expectations for all their sales. <laughs> Are you talking about the Spirits Within? Yeah. Okay. All right. I, there's been several animated Final well, Fantasy well, I said movies. The, well, I said the first one, which I'm pretty. Well, sure I couldn't was. remember. I'm pretty sure that's the Spirits Within, but just to make it, uh, to clarify, I guess I should say, uh, Final Fantasy Spirits Within. Essentially, sci-fi Final Fantasy, which is, I know, not quite uh, outside the realm of uh, possibility because a lot of the Final Fantasy games are kind of sci-fi, at least in elements, but there was really no magical element of them at all uh, in the movie. Yeah. And let's so- see, and we have Ghost Shark, uh, Dead or Alive was a good uh, video game movie. Didn't take itself too seriously. Great action scenes and a cheesy plot. Uh, Ghost Shark, define plot. Oh. <laughs> what is your favorite video game movie, Rach? I think I would have to go with uh, Avid Children. Uh, just offhand. Uh, I can't really think of anything 
else. And that is a pretty good uh, kind of final cap on the Final Fantasy VII uh, uh, world. Granted, it, uh, it does have its uh, over-the-top elements, but uh, hearing a one-winged angel with the uh, electric guitar is f- fucking awesome. <laughs> uh, uh, what about you? Uh, oh, it's a tough one. I'm a huge fan, like I've said before, of the Resident Evil series of movies, uh, just because they're so dumb and fun to watch. But I think I'm going to have to go with Mortal Kombat. Yeah, that's that also is... a really good one, and one that's kind of forgotten because of its sequels. Yeah, although, oddly enough, Mortal Kombat Annihilation had some really good moments in it that stayed true to the, the games as as a movie it's just garbage it's way worse than the first one but there are some good movement moments in uh, mortal kombat annihilation that really really stayed true to the source material which is interesting but the the first one is i mean if i ever see the first mortal kombat movie ever anywhere like if i'm scrolling through on a streaming service which it comes to every once in a while uh, or if I'm ever, just yell. yeah. Or if I'm ever like at my parents' house or something, and the TV's on, and because my dad will occasionally watch stuff like that, it's like, oh, leave it there. Mortal Kombat, gotta watch it. Okay, am I the only one that's hearing the Mortal Kombat theme in his head right now? I'm, I'm hearing it right now as well. A little scary, but okay, we'll go with that. <laughs> yeah. Um. Yeah, definitely. I, I mean, I could sit and talk about a lot of video game movies, but that, that's got to be my top Mortal Kombat. Okay, and uh, we didn't have a lot of tweets, but we had a couple. Uh, Jim tweeted us more footage of uh, the Star Trek uh, Bridge Crew uh, game. It looks really fun, and I think that's probably going to be the closest to a real system seller right now. Uh, uh, that, well, that, that's my uh, uh, take on it, is that I do think the bridge crew is probably going to be a system seller, but the thing is that it's still a very niche uh, thing. Yeah, but it, I, I I really wish that it wasn't the Abrams universe, <laughs> just for a style purposes. You know, I I would love to see if they wanted to do the uh, the original Star Trek. <laughs> uh, do uh, you know the original Star Trek bridge? Granted, you know, they could do it cosmetically. I mean, it is uh, a lot of the same things really going on. So, Yeah, I mean, it can be a DLC or a mod. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that would be cool. I don't have anything against um, against the new Star Trek, though. I like it. I, it's, it got, just, it's certainly... It, it, it's not the Star Trek I'd want. Yeah, no. It's not my favorite Star Trek, but I do enjoy it. It's got... I don't know. It's, it's hard to put my finger on it. It's just got a certain quality to it that I like, and it might it be does, the fact it, that it's. Well, granted, I've only seen a couple of them so far, mm-hmm. but it does have a, a sense of humor about it that I, I kind of like. But it feels like it's leaning too much to an action movie for me to uh, associate with Star Trek. Yeah, they are incredibly actiony movies. Yeah, and um, for for me, Star Trek, uh, and this is probably the reason why it's yeah the old series of uh, movies that died out. Is that the there's long stretches where there it's the story and the action is the punctuation of that. My favorite Star Trek movie, Wrath of Khan, is a perfect example of that. I really like Wrath of Khan too. I'm but not sure if, you if look it's at my it, favorite, Ra- but it's Wrath up of there. Khan is 
almost not a Star Trek movie and more of a submarine movie. Yeah, particularly the 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 final the combat battle. at the end. Yeah, the final fight, final battle. My but, favorite Star Trek movie might be um, Undiscovered Country. That's a good one. I don't like the the what is it Star Trek the Motion Picture? I hate that movie. It uh it's um it's too slow paced. Yeah, if I recall it correctly, I've only seen it once and it wasn't memorable for me. And they really uh, knocked it out of the park with Khan, though. Uh, the next generation movies weren't terrible, but they never really stood out either. Yeah, I I really like the next generation movies, but I, I kind of was a that next generation uh, kid growing up. So I kind of really wish that they uh, continued me. with the movies, though, because uh, it felt like they were setting up to bring data back. Yeah, but I mean, and supposedly they did just gotten too old. Supposedly they did the comics as well. Uh, bring data back uh, through his brother. Yeah. Uh, Star Trek Into Darkness, which was the second re uh, the second new Star Trek movie, is they try to emulate parts of Wrath of Khan, they but they get that part all wrong. Into Darkness is probably my least well, favorite even, of the new Star Treks. Well, I'm not sure if I've seen uh, Into Darkness. I know I've seen the first one, and I think I've seen bits and pieces of Into Darkness, but I've never sat down and watched the entire thing. Maybe I've only seen the first Star Trek, or the, of the new reboots, Star- now that I really think about it. Star Trek Beyond is by far the best, but that whole movie is just jumping the shark and just owning it. <laughs> and it's, I mean, that's why I love it so much. It's so stupid. So stupid, but it's lovely. Uh, no more do you love it so much. Yeah. Like, there's uh, this... Well, well, Can... uh, well, you were talking about how Into Darkness uh, does uh, con uh, poorly. Uh, uh, what do you mean by that? Because now that I think about it, I don't think I've seen it. I think I've only seen the first Star Trek movie and was kind of put off with how action-oriented it was. They do... Uh, s- they try to do some of the iconic scenes, like you know, in the Wrath of Khan, whenever Spock in in the original goes in uh, to fix uh, whatever it is with the warp the, drive, or yeah, the fix the warp drive, and and he gets killed because of the, the well, they can't do that, that because in this one because you know you can't kill off pretty Spock. Well, they flip flop that, and they have uh, Kirk do it. But then they completely undo all of the tension and everything because they just bring him back to life at the end. It's like, oh, hey, uh, actually, we found this thing that cures death, so you're fine now. Well, that's going to make the Federation uh, care about their red shirts. Oh, wait. And it has to do with tribbles. So they they wrecked that iconic scene. Uh, They they found William Shatner's (laughs) hairpiece. They put put it on Kirk, and it brings him back to life. This explains William Shatner. Um, and then they do have sort of a, a cat and mouse fight between the Enterprise and another ship, but they do it all wrong. They play it with modern action stuff instead of doing the, uh, that, the kind that, of tactical submarine combat that made it so iconic. And it's uh, just like... I think the smartest thing that they did with Wrath of Khan, and I realize we are completely off topic, but Damon, I, I get to talk about Star Trek. <laughs> uh, and I've after listening to you guys talk about Star Wars... 
Damn it, it's my tricky moment. No, that's fine. I love Star Trek uh, too, so I'm uh, all aboard. The smartest thing they did with Wrath of Khan was to cripple both ships, ships early in the movie and never let them uh, fix themselves. So they're very slow. They're very sluggish, especially for Federation ships. And it makes the combat a lot more tactical that you do not see in any other Star Trek movie. In any other Star Trek movie, uh, they would ha- uh, just bounce the graviton bar- article beam off the main deflector dish. <laughs> and uh, the fire would be spread over. of photon torpedoes. When, and they, they, I think they tried to set it up, or at least they make you think in, in Into Darkness that you're going to set it up. Because the Enterprise is like an underdog ship in this fight. And they do a few things that, I mean, they're crazy, but they do a few things that seem like, okay, they're trying to be smart and they're going to try and kind of capture that essence of, of Wrath of Khan. And then it just turns into like a modern action spaceship battle and the Enterprise gets exploded again. The Enterprise has been destroyed in every new Star Trek movie and it gets rebuilt. (laughs) All three movies, the Enterprise just gets fucked up. And in the most recent one, Star Trek, well, you haven't seen it. Do you care if I spoil anything uh how many lens flares are in it uh, millions okay don't give a shit okay yeah i mean in in star trek beyond they blow the enterprise up in the first 20 minutes of the movie and then they're without the enterprise the whole time or for the rest of the movie so uh what letter are they on now or they've gone to the uh greek alphabet because they ran out <laughs> uh, they, i think that they've they've moved beyond the greek alphabet i mean it's 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 crazy. And it, the the scene though in Star Trek Beyond that lets you know that they just don't give a fuck anymore is that during like the 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 finale of the movie in like the last thirty minutes they've got another ship and they're doing stuff and like they're going to take out the bad guy and the bad guy has like access to what feels like a million drone ships and the ship that they've stolen they start playing. What's the song that they played? Paranoid? I, they play like a, a 90s kind of grunge rock song. And the the ship that Wah. they've got... The ship that they've got is surfing a, a wave of explosions. Like they're playing this this song because somehow through the power of music and Star Trek techno babble, they're using the interference created by loud rock music to overload the drone's uh, receivers and cause them to self-destruct. So the Enterprise uh, is there's riding, no sound in space. The Enterprise is riding a wave of exploding drones while playing grunge metal, and just like it's so stupid, but it's so wonderful. And you can tell they just don't care anymore. I mean, I could uh, I could accept Star Trek Tepco babble to a degree, but. I think I'm just going to go back and watch Deep Space Nine and uh, forget about the new series of movies. I'm I'm looking for this on YouTube. I don't need this in my life. I I that's fine. You don't have to see it. I want to see it again now. <sighs> I know, I know, I'm the worst. Are you ready to move on? Uh, I not can quite look this because up later. W- w- we only <laughs> got through one tweet of four. <laughs> uh, okay. Uh, let's see, Jim. Uh, Jim tweeted us about three different things uh, this week, and we talked about two of them already. He uh, tweeted us about the uh, uh, the payment processor scandal and the Xbox refund uh, uh, system going in. 
and chemists uh well him and you did a thing yeah yeah and that went on your youtube channel yep but you'll be talking about that later right yeah i can Uh, it's sabotage from the beastie boys that's a song that they play uh it's stupidly wonderful oh you're half right (laughs) so speaking of stupidly wonderful uh think we're up to discovery queue yep yep i'll put that there and you can go watch it if you want and if you don't want to i understand but yes how about no fair enough so stupidly wonderful the discovery queue cue the music and no it's not the it better not be the grunge metal it won't be (laughs) what is this steel division Tactical, real-time, RTS. Well, I got one. Bayonetta. Oh. <laughs> Bayonetta? It got a PC release? Yes. Uh, oh, my. Um, Two days ago. Um, let me just open up it, another tab. Uh, it is uh, $20 it, uh, for a uh, PC port. Um, Gearbox, are, are you fucking paying attention? This is amazing. I can't wait to play Bayonetta again. <laughs> On my PC. I'm I'm buying this later. <laughs> Not oh. tonight, I can't get distracted, but yeah, buying that later. Yeah, I wasn't expecting Bayonetta to ever see the light of uh, PC, but hey, there you go. Uh granted, uh I'll be surprised if we see Bayonetta too. Yeah, since it's Nintendo that, that owns that one. Yeah. Uh, and Nintendo uh, doesn't like uh, giving software to anyone else. Especially after that whole CD op uh, thing. Ooh. So, Steel Division. This looks interesting. It's a it's a World War II RTS game, which we haven't seen a new one of those in a while. Um, good-looking graphics. Uh, reminds me very much of uh, shoot Ruse. Actually, reminds me very much of Ruse based on the screenshots. Stuff. Well, I got Planescape Torment Enhanced Edition. This is a re-release of Planescape Torment, uh, a very old CRPG, which I okay. actually never got to play originally. Uh, a Fifty-hour CRPG classic. Single player, uh, uh, Grand, I'm not sure if you would like it because of the camera angle. <laughs> maybe, maybe not. But it, well, like I said, uh, it, it, uh is one of those games that uh, is one of the pinnacles of CRPG, and uh, I, it's one of those games I've always meant to go back and play. Yeah, and uh, I, since you since you've been liking Divinity Original Sin, I think you should give this a chance at some point. Uh, uh, once again, it's a very cheap re-release at twenty bucks, or uh, I guess enhanced edition. Oh, I just yeah. got Steel Division on mine. Oh, I, I saw a uh, Total Biscuit streaming this. It, it looks interesting, but at the same time, uh, uh, he was not showing it all that well. <laughs> yeah, it, because he uh, just wasn't it wasn't clicking with him. Yeah, it. I mean, it looks like it'd be right up my alley. So, 
when did it when did it say the release date was because it's not out yet I don't remember I have a visual novel here that actually looks somewhat decent noise noise it's called nightshade it doesn't uh look like it's fan service so that uh turns you off right away do i have do i have uh, that sounds familiar do i have it on my wish list i don't see it on your wish list nightshade well it's nightshade and then some kanji so i'm assuming that's nightshade and then probably kanji for nightshade or the japanese title of it Uh, a romance visual novel uh, game made a collaboration with uh, D3P and Red Entertainment. Uh, the romance re- uh, evolves around ninjas who've uh, lived through the Shinku period. This game has uh, was published in 2016 uh, on the PS Vita. So uh, it's definitely seen a limited release if it was a Vita title, especially in the last. <laughs> Ooh, this looks interesting. Yeah, like I said, it looks interesting. It has a pretty good art style to it. Yeah, put it on my wish list. This also looks looks interesting. Low Magic Age. Odd name, but it's a fantasy RPG that focuses on turn-based tactical comment or comment combat. Um, a tactical comment. <laughs> it looks like it's it's using a using a, a grid-based battle system, and it's got cute little sprite animations and gorgeous artwork that they're showing off from I guess that's from the menus and stuff but still someone put a lot of time and effort into that oh shoot it's four bucks I might I might impulse buy that Jared you have things to do tonight fair enough let me get, let me get the, the link drop it in what is this this looks interesting granted uh they uh well they have a the very first sentence almost made me turn off on this but uh because they use the phrase open world first person uh <laughs> uh shooter set in a distant haunted uh future world so first open world first person you know uh, i assume that the next words were gonna be survival <laughs> <laughs> But signal from Televoria. And there's a umlaut there, so. Oh. Signal from. There we uh, go. The um, signal from Tulva. Tulva. Whatever. Yeah, it's. Uh, like I said, that umlaut could really throw off the pronunciation. But, yeah, this looks really interesting. It's a, a sci fi mystery open world game. Uh, about robots. It has some uh, really nice art style on it. Uh, it has a uh, sort of a oh, I'm trying to think of a good way to describe that really because it's not cell shaded, but it still has that uh, color palette. Yeah, it has like a muted color palette that makes everything uh, look uh, well, uh, almost hand drawn ish, you know. Yeah, it looks. It it looks neat. It's, mm, the art style is really, really inviting yeah, 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 to me. Yeah you, yeah, you see what I mean. Yeah, this isn't normally a game I think that I would buy, but 
I might go watch some some YouTube footage of that and just well, see. All the uh, different robots seem to, like they have some really different designs, at least in the screenshots. And that that's one thing that a lot of these games, uh, especially indie games, uh, uh, fall into the trapping of is where, okay, you have robots, but they all look exactly the same. Especially whenever they're supposed to be, uh, well, uh, sentient. Yeah. Here's an interesting one. Steam Hammer. Ha- uh, sandbox RPG with a steampunk setting. Of course, featuring survival elements. But still, <laughs> steampunk. I'm a sucker for steampunk. I love steampunk. It's early access, available in 2017, so there's not even any real hard information yet. I think I'll put this one on my wish list, though, and keep an eye on it. Yeah, I'm done with my uh, Discovery queue. Okay, I have one more. I'll drop Steam Hamper in here, and then I'll go see You're dropping the is. hammer. Dropping the hammer. Now, the question is, is the hammer your penis? Yes. <laughs> yes, it is. It's always my penis. That looks really pretty. Huh. Tartarus. Tartarus is an action-adventure game from first-person perspective. Is it perspective. bigger on the inside? hey Combined with text input. Interesting, I think. I mean, just skim through the, the trailer video. Prepare to fast forward. Ah, please don't be a survival game. You're on a it's spaceship. A You're on a spaceship, and it looks like the spaceship is falling apart, so you have to walk around and fix stuff. Wait, 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 this sounds familiar. Do I own this game? No. Everything's what, really dark. Oh, what was the it. what was the name of this? Tartarus. T a r t a r u s. Okay, I found it. Uh, I think I have a game almost exactly like this, only not nearly as pretty. Hmm. And, yeah, I'm. I'm. Yeah, two minds about this. Game. Some of it looks really good, and some of it looks really terrible. At least there's nothing in here that suggests that it's like a a scary game or whatever. I mean, it might be. I'll put it on my wish list so that I can keep an eye on it. Yeah, I have a game that I got a review copy of that's pretty much this, only not as well refined, it looks like. No. Uh, it, it doesn't have any uh, horror elements in it, but... Well, I guess technically I can't say that because the, uh, the survival element of it, where there could be... Uh, it, uh, has uh, some random events that could happen that could make it so that okay, your air is running out and you have to fix uh, this leak, otherwise uh, you're gonna die. And yeah, you know, it has that. It has a psychological horror element in it where the ship is all empty and you're moving around on it, uh, and you see all the uh, where everyone's just got up and left. That all the escape pods are gone. Yeah. It's the, uh, uh, well, it's not, t- actually, uh, the sort of the red dwarf thing where, you know, you were in, uh, uh, suspended animation and nobody thought to wake, uh, to, you know, about the meat popsicle whenever they abandoned ship, if I recall correctly. <laughs> meat only popsicle. I, only, uh, you weren't in there as punishment for bringing a cat on board. <laughs> 
Mm. Now I want to go watch Red Dwarf. <laughs> I want to go watch a lot of things. I want to watch Mortal Kombat. <laughs> I want to watch Star Trek Beyond. Although mostly just for the scene that I watched on YouTube earlier. So, uh, I mean, I can just watch that over and over again on YouTube. I also want to watch Rogue One again. Have you watched Rogue One? Not yet. Okay. Then I don't say why I want to go watch Rogue One. I know, I know. I, I, I have Rogue One all set up, ready to go. It's just I have other things to do. Yeah, I understand. That and I'm also... I'll, I'll be perfectly honest. Uh, Rogue One is behind Samurai Jack for me for on excitement to watch. And usually Saturday is uh, whatever I sit down to watch things. Yeah. And that's... Uh, that's Samurai Jack, My Hero Academia Season 2 coming out also on Saturdays, and Doctor Who, guess what? Saturday. <laughs> and I'm at least going to give the new season a shot. Not sure if I'm going to stick with it, because uh, I'll be perfectly honest, I'm not sure if it's me or Doctor Who, but it seems like it's you know, not there anymore. But I do know that uh, this... well. Well, it's all over the internet, so it's not a spoiler, but supposedly, well, it's not supposedly, it's been confirmed that this is going to be the 12th Doctor's last season. So, even if this season doesn't turn out all that well, try it next season with the new Doctor. See, a 13 is a lucky number. It's really a sad thing, because I really like uh, this Doctor, it's just he doesn't seem to be getting all that good uh, stories. Yay? What? I don't, I just, I'm not a Doctor Who person. I really liked the Tenth Doctor. I don't know the, who the Tenth Doctor was. Tennant. Oh, okay. Yeah, David Tennant. He's the only Doctor Who, like his episodes, the only ones that I can actually stomach. I just, I just, don't, and it, it's not the crappy special effects. Like that's kind of like one of the charms of the show, like the poor special effects. I'm okay with that. Actually, the special effects have gotten really good. I just, I just don't like it. I've never gotten hooked into it. Well, uh, I think Blink is probably one of, uh, one of his, if not his best episodes, where they introduce the angels. I don't know if I've ever seen that one. Uh, it's, it's kind of weird. It's a Doctor Who episode that has pretty much none of the Doctor in it. All right. Like, he he uh, he appears in recordings. If, if that doesn't sound familiar to you, you haven't seen it. Yeah, it doesn't sound familiar, so I've not uh, seen it. Okay, that's your uh, homework. I'll watch a Rogue One this week. You watch Blink. Okay. You'll have to send me a text or a tweet or something later, because I'll forget. But I will, <laughs> I will watch it. I'll make time to watch it. I just need to sit down and watch Rogue One. And the thing is, I'm set up to uh, render Halo tonight, so I uh, do have an opportunity. You could watch Rogue One, yeah. But uh, let's let's move towards the end. Speaking of rendering, so that <laughs> I can get this done. Uh, uh, so now, what's what's going on on your channel? Yeah. So because I this up, is the portion of the show where you go first. Yeah, baby. I put up uh, this thing that Kimis and I did a few weeks ago uh, called "Straight as a Pretzel," where that Kimis and I talk about all the cute boys and what we want to do to all the cute boys. Uh, and I won't say any more than that. If you, if that sounds interesting to you, we would love if you went and watched it. It's on my YouTube channel. Um, we were going to put it on the feed originally, but after Rage and I discussed it, we decided that it was, uh, 
Yeah, and uh, looking back at from our yeah, and looking back at some of the uh, of our old content as well, some stuff really shouldn't have been on the feed that ended up going on the feed, and we're going to try to tighten up uh, content a little bit. I know tighten up content when we had this episode. Yeah, I'll probably do a little extra hacking this episode and get some good stuff for Franken content. I think, uh, but anyways, yeah. So that's what's uh, that's up on my channel. Um, I got my big boy chair put together, so uh, it, it won't be so bad to sit at my disc, desk now. And uh, I've got a list of things to render and stuff to work on. Should have a decently free weekend, actually, so I guess that will be on my channel. Well, that'll be on the channel in the coming week after the show, so I intend to actually release a few videos this week. Uh, probably Divinity. Some of the backlog that I have of Divinity. Um, and I've got a million and one projects in my head rolling around, but like I said last week or maybe the week before right now is not the time for me to be starting new projects that i may or may not finish so uh i'll put all that together once we get moved so that's what's coming up on my channel if you want to watch my stuff particularly straight as a pretzel you can do so over on my youtube channel gaming psychologist if you want to follow me on twitter where you can see me tweet about all kinds of things tweeted some stuff about my son's birthday uh over the weekend tweeted some political stuff I tweeted something about food, I think. That might have been last week, though. But anyways, if you want to see those tweets, you can follow me at JMA4707. If you want to watch me stream games on Twitch, haven't been doing much of that here lately, but I did warn everybody when we started this whole house buying process that, that the streams would probably be the first thing to go uh, whenever I lost time. But when they come back, you can watch me over at twitch.tv slash jarthur4707. And uh, if you want to be my friend on Steam... You can send me a friend request. My Steam username is jarthur4707. I accept all friend requests because I think all of you people are lovely, lovely people. Also, Matt, please let me know who you are. Because there are some of our members of our audience that I'm a little bit closer to that I only know you by like your Steam username or something like that. So your real name might be Matt. Or if you're just a uh, a listener of the podcast who's never participated, drop me a, drop me a DM on Twitter. Feel free to join in. Yeah, or feel free to join in on our Discord, on uh, DM me on Twitter, or just send a tweet. Or you can be my friend on Steam and chat me up. I'd love to talk to you since you gave us some money. And if you wish to confuse the ever-loving hell out of Jared, the password for this week is Bongo. Bongo? Yes, one of my random words. <laughs> Fair enough. And I'm actually that's not for uh, just uh, anyone that's uh, joining and uh, adding Jared uh, recently. I want everybody to send a bongo. <laughs> that's fine. I can handle that. There is one thing that I missed, and uh, I was having stream of conscious, so I couldn't really drop back into it. Uh -oh. We're running a Star Wars RPG campaign. This past Friday, we all got together and made our characters uh, or worked on our characters. Uh, Ghost Shark, one of our community members, is the one who's leading the the game. If you want to participate, there is still time before we get started to start to jump in from the beginning. And at any point, if you want to join in, we can find a spot for you. Uh, I actually recorded the whole thing, and I'm not going to lie, it's pretty boring, but there was a request to record it and release it, so I'll put that up on my YouTube channel in the next week or so. Um... And just have it available for anybody to listen to. That's that's it. I'm done. Huh? What? What's going on for you, Rach? Oh, uh, well, 
pretty much uh, standard stuff. I did skip a day of Halo just to try to get back on my standard recording schedule because, yeah, I was getting to the point where I was recording and immediately yeah, uh, rendering and producing stuff. And I didn't get a chance to render earlier, so I'm <laughs> kind of still in that uh, situation for the moment. But I'm not recording and rendering it on the same night. So, yeah, it's not nearly as bad. Yeah, plus, the only person that's really been watching my Halo content is still behind. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I've only seen the first three episodes. Yeah, I figured as much because you've been commenting on them. <laughs> Indeed. But I know that you're the one that really wanted to see me play Halo. Yep. And I did have a question in uh, one of my latest episodes. I think I'll go ahead and throw it out here for you to think on. Is that it seems like they're expecting you to know a lot of lore that wasn't available at the time. Am I missing something here? No, I don't think so. I mean, uh, Combat Evolved is the first Halo game, right? Yeah, Combat Evolved was the first Halo anything. yeah, but there's they, some uh, references uh, to Marathon in there, the the previous Bungie FPS games. But yeah, it I mean, just seems like they're expecting you to know a lot of, about the Covenant and uh, the uh, war in general against them. No, they just kind of throw you in. Um, Maybe it's just it, I'm expecting to figure out you know, what the hell is going on, and I'll be perfectly honest, I have no idea what the fuck's going on. <laughs> yeah, you don't figure. I mean, you do eventually figure it out. It it as part of the story, like you figure out what's going on. Um, but it doesn't happen until a little bit later. Okay. I must not be at that part yet. I'll, I'll tell you the sequence. I just finished recording. It'll be Monday's episode. If you want me to. Sure. Uh, the tank, the tank as in, uh, the tank I drive. Oh, okay. Uh, I finished that sequence. Okay. And I got very disappointed when I got to the area where it's like, oh, I got to get out of the tank and go on foot. No. Yep. So disappointing. <laughs> but yeah, that's what's going on there. Uh, RimWorld is past 50 episodes now. I have no idea how it survived this long, but it has. I'm during the end of my name list. I have no idea what to do with, with that. And I'm. Actually, to the point where I'm looking to split the colony potentially into two and have an outpost. Uh, oh, Kyle showed up and he's fucking useless. Groove is, is still there? doing uh, hard labor as, uh, with all the pigs. <laughs> oh, sorry. Dumb labor, which is glorious, by the way. Nice. Uh, yeah, but like I said, RimWorld... Uh, I guess something clicked and I'm doing a lot better. Granted, there's still a lot of stupid things that, uh, that hasn't cost me the game yet, but that I'm slowly improving and, uh, uh changing around defensive strategies, uh, touring around with a few things. Uh, the base is damn hard to crack right now. And I actually had a, sh- uh, a poison ship or no, it wasn't a poison ship. It was a psychic ship, which is, I know really, uh, makes a big difference. I just obliterated. <laughs> it was hilarious. Uh, let's just put it this way. With my mod set, borders are deadly. And let's see what else. Um, of course, uh, Divinity uh, is started up again, thankfully. 
I'm hoping that we'll be able to record that again Saturday and keep on it because I do like keeping that ongoing. But then again, well, you've said it yourself, you know, taking a break from every so often isn't a bad thing. And maybe we should set up a game that would be a kind of a buffer for, you know, a little bit of random co-op. Yeah, an, a new uh, one. Yeah, try to figure out something. I mean, we could do Rocket League. It can get very frustrating whenever we get people that just have spent a lot more time in it than us. I talked about Sanctum earlier. We could play Sanctum. That's true. I mean, we could give it a shot one time and see how it goes. Maybe. And the Sunday Sampler. I'm pretty sure I know what's uh, uh, going to go on that, unless this game that I got Monday is absolutely terrible. Let's just put it this way. I'm going to tease this one. And um, should I uh, uh, send this to Jared? Uh, to let him see what this is, if I can remember the name of it without having to look it up on my list. Let's just put it this way. XCOM-like is what they're calling it. Um, Well, there's a few games that have done that over the years, well, but there's one that comes to mind. Well, this is a, a recent release, or a, or a coming release. I can't remember which. And I'm seeing if I could find it and i'm not finding it offhand and the problem is uh, finding something in my steam library is a little difficult <laughs> if i oh, oh no, no i think i found it uh this looks like it and it's getting some mixed reviews now so oh yeah th- that's it so uh, at least i'll have something to look at and, well, what the hell, I'll send it to Jared to see what he thinks. No, thanks. Uh, I, I, I don't expect him to giggle like a schoolgirl like he did last time I did this, but... And uh, don't add it to your wish list just yet, uh, so it's uh, not give it away. Assuming people actually care. <laughs> huh. I don't think I've seen this game before. Well, considering it just re- released recently. Yeah, and it's not the game that I was thinking of. I can't think of the name of the game I was thinking of, but it was essentially like a remake of, or, you know, a spiritual successor to the original XCOM. But this is No, not no, you're, uh, it's not, uh, no, I'm blanking on it. I know what you're talking about. Yeah. Xenonauts, Xenonauts. Z- yeah, Xenonauts is what I was thinking. No, it's not Xenonauts. This is odd. I should. I'll be talking about it next week at the very least. Is this a mobile game? This I have no idea. Incredibly familiar. I have no idea. I just got a review copy of it, and it's about my best option right now. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, this it's, looks incredibly familiar, not just because it looks like the the modern XCOM. Yeah, it's been a slow week. Review review copy was. But anyway, that's what's going on on my channel. Uh, Twitter, I'm posting somewhat randomly over at Gaming with CR. My YouTube is Gaming with Caffeine Rage. And that is, well, really about it. <laughs> uh, so, intro and outro? Or, oh, uh, intro and outro is On the Ground by Kevin McLeod. And yes, I'm doing this completely out of order just to fuck with Jared. <laughs> yep. Uh, and we also have Doobly Doo by Kevin McLeod as our Discovery Q theme. 
<laughs> and uh, doobly do is amazing when it's sped up, and that's the reason why I used it. <laughs> uh, if you wish to reach us, you could uh, find us uh, at bglpodcast at gmail.com with your letters, voicemails, and gaming-related topics, or you could tweet them at bglpodcast on Twitter like Jim did this week. Our uh, Patreon, which we, like we mentioned before, we got a new patron. Is patreon.com slash podcast, and it is greatly appreciated that you're paying for this absolute madness. And if you're not following us on our RSS feed or on iTunes or Google Play, which hopefully those are up to date, you can find our RSS feed at bglpodcast.podbeam.com. And that goes doubly so if you're listening to this on YouTube. You don't have to uh, suffer through YouTube force. We do have an RSS feed. Now you go. Yeah, there's going to be some music that plays now <laughs> over my voice. I don't I have my usual cue. I'm, I'm not prepared. I, I just had to fuck with you. Oh, I didn't realize it's late. <laughs> Double it so. Boo boy now. <laughs> this is what happens when we don't have a script and I decide to mess with Jerry. Bye bye.